get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. This is the Ribs and BK Podcast on 101 ESPN. Hits it out to deep left. It's at the wall, and it's gone. It sneaks over the wall, an opposite field home run. 8-0 Cardinals. And Miller launches one down the right field line. It's gone off the foul pole. He's done it again, and this one a two-run homer for Miller. His fourth hit of the night and his second two-run bomb. Have a night, Miller. He is driven in seven on the night. Audio courtesy of Fox Sports Midwest. Our guy Danny back on the call. Brad Miller, our guy Millsy, is just dominating right now. Guys, this isn't a joke anymore. This is no longer funny to me. Yeah, this is not a test. It's real. I'm going to go ahead and read you off Brad Miller's rankings among all Major League Baseball hitters with at least 70 plate appearances on the season. All Major League hitters. 18th in batting average. Second in on-base percentage, 16th in slugging percentage, seventh in OPS. Here's a brief list. This is just a few of the guys that I could pull out (laughs) of players across the majors with a lower OPS this season than Brad Miller. It includes, but is not limited to Fernando Tatis Jr., Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Trevor Story, Luis Robert, and Nolan Arenado. Are those guys good? I'm not sure. That's every player Cardinals fans have wanted on the team for the last 15 years. You've got him right now. (laughs) Now, he's not those names, but his name is Brad Miller, and he is absolutely crushing the ball right now. Okay, so here's where I'm at with Millsy, all right, is... It started out like I, we got to give tinfoil Ferrario his credit here because he was like, no, well, he was in on Ravello. Well, he was, but, but we <laughs> have Miller's seen been him. my guy too. <laughs> Ravello might still be that guy. He just hasn't had a chance. Okay. But he did. He did, you know, sit in there. Brad Miller, Brad Miller. What about Brad Miller? And we're like, what are you talking about? And I don't remember what his contract is, but I think it's like. What, a million bucks? a one-year deal, a couple mil? Yeah, okay. So it's very small contract. So you look at that as maybe a utility guy, a bench player, like break glass in case of emergency on some of these double headers, whatever. 
Well, I've gotten to a point now, guys. Here's where I'm at with, with, with Brad Miller. I stop doing whatever I'm doing in the house when he comes up to bat and I watch his at-bats not wondering what he's going to do. I'm watching his at-bats expecting him to get a hit. Yes. Like, I'm not sitting there anymore going, oh, I wonder who this Miller guy is or, oh, I hope he hits the ball because I'd like to see this keep going. Now I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be a single, a double, or a <laughs> dinger. I'm not sure. That's where I'm at with this. It's not that he's just <laughs> been good. He's been one of the best players in baseball. Remember how I just mentioned about those were the rankings among all players with at least 70 plate appearances, and he's in the top 20 in every single category? There's 270 players that have at least 70 plate appearances. He's in the top, like, 5% in every statistical category. He's a legitimate cleanup hitter. This is what they've been looking for. You now have, and I heard <laughs> Mike Schilt talking about this last night, you've got the pivot point in your lineup. The three, four, five hitters that you've got in your lineup right now are amazing. I mean, these guys are legitimately changing the game for you. Paul DeYoung was great again last night. Forever other DeYoung, like, baby. Other than one at bat where Jamie, Easy, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie texts me afterwards. He's like, ooh, that could have been better oh, that, by, oh, yeah, that by Forever yeah. DeYoung. But other than that, he was great. <laughs> I mean, you, you have a legitimate middle of the order, and this is what the Cardinals have been waiting for. And Brad Miller has been a huge, huge piece of this now let's advance the conversation a little bit because we all can see brad miller's been awesome now what do you do with this because we've talked so much about the glut in the outfield and it's just gotten even more glutty if you will in Whoa. the outfield oh is that a word is that a word i don't think I, so i'm gonna look that up Tom, Tom, seven eight oh is glutty glutty a word? Word? let so. us know gluttonous uh you suddenly added Tommy Edmond into the mix out there. He's been starting the last few games out in left field. Well, you have to play him. He needs to be out there. Are you kidding me? What did he go three for five last night? He's been good. I'd say that's okay. I don't think he should start left field. I think he needs to start at third base. I think we are arriving at the place where Matt Carpenter is going to be a casualty of the success that we are seeing from Tommy Edmond and Brad Miller. If that stops, if Tommy Edmond no longer hits or Brad Miller, the the slipper comes off like whatever it is then you can put Matt Carpenter back in the lineup but in the time being unless there's a double header that day I think your lineup needs to be what you expected it to be on the infield and Brad Miller needs to be your DH moving forward well, yeah I don't even think it's a question to be honest like I think Schilty sleeps well at night like sometimes the managers you can't sleep because you have these tough decisions and it's with players that you have a, a relationship with and you love your guys and all this stuff but this one's a no-brainer I mean, like even Matt Carpenter, if you said, hey, hey, Carp, what do you think? He'd say, well, yeah, I got to come out. Mills, he's got to keep going here. And Brad Miller, when I look back at it last night, I was standing there and I kind of giggled to myself, not because I was laughing at anybody's success or lack of success, but I'm like, Brad Miller's kind of Matt Carpenter's worst nightmare. Yeah. Because he's a left-handed batter. No batting gloves, right? <laughs> We're doing the no batting gloves battle. Left-handed batter, and he's stroking it right now. He is, no matter what, he's getting the ball out and play. And right now, that and that's what they expected, quite honestly, from Matt Carpenter. Exactly what Brad Miller's doing. Now, he's doing it at a, at a high rate right now, but that's what you expected from Carp. A single, a double, maybe a home run, go with the ball the other way, another single. Like, it's... To me, he's doing everything that you expected from the guy that you signed to do it. 
except it's somebody different. Brad Miller is the ghost of Matt Carpenter past. Yeah. I mean, Matt Carpenter was the contact guy. He was the one who could go the opposite direction with a double or drop a single in there when it was needed most. And then it became the home run hitter and trying to be the power hitter. And it just it, it hasn't worked. It's interesting how that goes, though, because last year, Tommy Edmond was Matt Carpenter's worst nightmare. Edmond was a switch hitter. Edmond was a better defender when it came to third base. And Edmond was the guy who was getting hits while Matt Carpenter wasn't. The problem there was there was nobody else behind Edmond to jump in front of Matt Carpenter. And that's where you're at now. Matt Carpenter has dropped from being a cleanup to a five to a six to a seven. You got no place for him right now. And when it comes to your outfield, you still got to know what you have. It was great seeing Lane Thomas there. Give him more reps. You got Bader. You got Carlson. You got O'Neill. You got Fowler. You should not be clogging that outfield position with a left field spot for Tommy Edmond. He should be your third baseman. Miller's your DH. It's as simple as that. Matt Carpenter right now among your regulars has the worst strikeout rate and the lowest slugging percentage of any of them. He's just not helping you. He His only value, and we've known this for a couple of years now, his only value is what he brings with his bat. And right now he's not bringing any value with his bat. Now I will say this, and you know I'm the conductor of the Dylan Carlson hype train. Dylan Carlson's got to get it going. Otherwise, now this becomes a conversation of Tommy Edmond versus Dylan Carlson as opposed to a conversation of whatever you want to talk about with Matt Carpenter. I think there's a few guys you can throw in that pot, yeah. right? Like you got O'Neill, you can throw in that pot. You've got Dylan Carlson, you've got Matt Carpenter. Yeah. Like, I think there's enough there to where, to your point and your point earlier, uh, BK, I do think Tommy Edmonds should be a third base. Yeah. I do too. I do 100% think he should be a third base. And I think that they've got to take their lumps right now in the outfield and get, let all of these guys, these question marks, you know what? Yeah, maybe their bats aren't going to be fantastic for you on a nightly basis, but maybe you give them half a game. Maybe you give you know two at bats, three at bats, two at bats, whatever the however it works. Maybe start splitting it up until somebody finally says, "Hey, guess what? I'd like to play every day in left field, and I'm going to do really well." Here's what you don't want to happen: you don't want Tommy Edmond to become the scapegoat for. Well, we still don't know what Harrison Bader or Tyler O'Neill or Dylan Carl. Well, not Dylan Carlson. We don't know what these guys are. Well, we so don't we, know what he is yet, though either. Well, but Dylan Carlson's in, in his own segment because he, I mean he's a he's a young prospect. But what it. I'm saying is you don't want Edmond to be the scapegoat for O'Neill and Bader next season to where what Mark Saxon said a couple of days ago, well, we're going to go with these guys again because we don't know what they are. No, we need to know what these guys are. So stop playing Edmund in left field. Give these guys the reps that they need so you can find out. It's also about your identity. Your identity is pitching and defense. Now, as much as we talk about the offensive issues, and we'll get into that a little bit later, we were supposed to have a segment yesterday, and I'm very frustrated we didn't get to it because I could have looked back and said, I was right. I, I was it. right. It, w- it would have definitely changed the outcome of everything. But yeah. go ahead. Yeah. We were go supposed ahead, to have a segment yesterday about how the offense isn't as bad as you probably think it is. Well, we didn't get there, so maybe you can thank us for not getting there. there. We got we, there. We got there. We had to talk about how the Cardinals should have tanked. No, Remember? the first segment yesterday. Yesterday we talked about how they're leaving guys on base and how they're not as bad as we it was think. Supposed to be in more extended segment. Oh. I was supposed to give all of. He wanted all of his hot takes to him. I didn't know there was that much meat on the bone. My bad. (laughs) There's always meat on the bone. (laughs) So we were supposed to talk about that yesterday, but the offense isn't quite as bad as you probably think it is. And as much as we talk about that, the identity of this team is still pitching and defense. And we've seen that pitching really dominate in the recent days. And the defense has been quite good again. Did you see DeYoung yesterday, that one, that dive and catch, and then zip it over the first? So your best defense. Like, defense. I thought you were going to make a DeYoung. 
That would have been better. I was waiting for the dad chant. Your best defense out there right now is your typical Yachty, Goldschmidt, Wong, DeYoung, and Edmund at third. So putting Edmund at third, I think, helps them with their identity. I just I don't see a spot right now for Matt Carpenter out in that lineup. He's going to get some time because they have so many doubleheaders coming up and you're just not going to be able to play every day, everybody in every game. But Matt Carpenter in your typical lineup, your everyday lineup, I don't think he's one of your best nine right now. I don't think he should be out there. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. It's 11:13. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We'll talk about this with Danny Mac coming up at noon. Chris Kerber, voice of the blues, is going to join us coming up at 1.30. And we've got the big rig, Pat Maroon. I think he should be back with the St. Louis Blues next year. But in the meantime, you know, he's trying to win another cup. Coming up next, though, we got to talk with Pierre Maguire. He's an NBC sports hockey analyst. I want to hear what he has to say about the Alex Petrangelo situation. What does he think it means for the Blues Stanley Cup championship window? We'll ask Pierre Maguire coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. We have some breaking news for your St. Louis Blues. They have already, this was quick work, traded goalie Jake Allen and a seventh round pick in 2022 to the Montreal Canadiens. In return, they will receive a third and a seventh round pick for the upcoming NHL draft. So again, if you missed it, the Canadians are trading four, Jake Allen, and a seventh round pick in 2022. The Blues will get in return a third and a seventh round pick this season. We'll react to that and get Pierre Maguire's thoughts on the Alex Petrangelo situation as he joins us now via the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. He is an NHL analyst for NBC Sports. Pierre, first of all, thanks so much for hopping on with us today we always appreciate the time let's get your initial reaction to this trade blue sending jake allen up to montreal what do you think about the return of a third and a seventh round pick in this year's draft well first of all good morning to you gentlemen uh there in st louis sorry the blues aren't still here in the bubble in edmonton um miss them very much world-class organization great people awesome team um jake's got a history in montreal i played junior hockey there for the Montreal Junior Canadiens. Uh, back then, they were called Verdun, um, so they're very familiar with his body of work, uh, number one. Number two, the Canadiens had 14 picks in the draft, which should have been held in Montreal in June, so they've got more than enough collateral to move. Um, they have four of those picks in the second round, uh, and I think the Blues obviously want to start restocking their organization, as most teams do, especially with a flat cap, so it's probably a real good deal for both teams. Uh, it addresses a need in Montreal where they definitely want to have Caden Primo develop a little bit more in the American Hockey League, uh, So, and they need a backup for Carey Price. So I, I think it works out really well for both parties. Yeah, Pierre, I agree. I think it works out good for, for both sides. But you know what? Immediately, I'm led to thinking about Alex Petrangelo, and I'm looking at this going, okay, that was a quick move. Pretty early, I would say, by Doug Armstrong standards to make a trade in the offseason. And now, does this feel to you at all like maybe they're trying to get a firm landscape of what they might have in the bank in order to try and get Alex Petrangelo deal done? I don't know that, Jamie, but I would tell you this, is that he's an important part of the fabric of that team. I think everybody that watches the team and knows the Blues knows how important he is. So um, I don't know what's taken so long. I mean, I understand every organization has got different uh, philosophies and different ideologies. But to me, the 
when when Roman Yossi signed with Nashville, I thought I'd put a template out there where that's where St. Louis had to go. I mean, they're very, very similar type players. They're both captains of their team. They're really important to the well-being of the organizations. And I thought that was an easy negotiation point. But in St. Louis, I think they just wanted to focus on playing hockey this year. And, and the pause caught everybody a little bit by surprise. But, you know, Alex, Alex is a really important part of that team, as you know. And I just don't know, you know, where they're prepared to go with this. Because if he does get to free agency, I'd be very surprised if they're able to keep him in St. Louis. Yeah, Pierre, I agree. And, you know, we've had the conversations here in the studio about it. And, you know, we you certainly go down the line and you try and figure out, well, what pieces would have to move in order to make this work. And I always came back to the same feeling that if you had to trade player X, Y, and Z to acquire an Alex Petrangelo, you would do it. Like if it was if it was Tyler Bozak, Alexander Steen, and Jake Allen are guys that you're talking about, any day of the week you'd make that trade to acquire an Alex Petrangelo. So I'm just wondering if these are some of the, the speed bumps for the St. Louis Blues, aren't, shouldn't you be willing to do whatever it takes to keep your captain at this point? Well, again, everybody's got their own organizational philosophy. I don't know exactly what they're thinking internally, but I do know this. I think they understand the value of the player. Uh, I don't think there's been a lot of communication um, with the organization, with the player about the long-term future for him there. But, uh, again, my only thing is just from an outsider looking in, if he gets to unrestricted free agency, I don't see any way that uh, he comes back to St. Louis. So their window is starting to shrink. Pierre, it's interesting you mentioned that because we heard a quote from Doug Armstrong last week where he said the Blues are right now in the middle of a five-year Stanley Cup window. And that Mm -hmm. started whenever they signed Ryan O'Reilly or traded for Ryan O'Reilly. And it continues right now. They're about to go into year three of that, in his opinion. If they are not able to retain Alex Petrangelo, in your opinion, does that window start to close prematurely? Well, it does because it's not just Tim. Don't forget now, uh, Jay Bowmeister was a really important part. I made this point during one of our broadcasts. Everybody's talking about what's wrong with the Blues, what's wrong with the Blues. Well, part of it was COVID. Part of it was the pause. Part of it's fatigue from last year going seven games to a Stanley Cup final and how they had so many overtime games in last year's playoffs. It was a very difficult run to the Stanley Cup final, but they were able to win it. Uh, So fatigue was very much a part of it, but Jay Bolmeister was a huge part of it. He was playing in their top four. Um, so all of a sudden, everybody's slotting changes a lot. And, you know, and they were fortunate that the pause came um, because I really believe um, had there not been uh, a pause last year, I'd be really surprised if Montreal, knowing they would have made the playoffs, I'd be surprised if Montreal would have traded Marco Scandella to St. Louis. They would have kept them if they knew they were going to be in the playoffs. So they were lucky that they were able to do that. But if you lose Petrangelo and you lose Bowmeister, I mean, <laughs> you're losing a lot. Um, and so that that those players are hard to find. Jamie can tell you he played the position. It's hard to find guys like that. So there's more than just Alex involved in this. So, yeah, their window would shrink exponentially if they weren't able to get Alex back for sure. Yeah, now, Pierre, the next avenue I'm, I'm going down here with you is Vladimir Tarasenko. This is going to be his third shoulder surgery or procedure, we'll call it, on the same shoulder. And he's not going to be reevaluated until five months down the road, which means it could be six, seven, eight months before he puts on a uniform for an actual game. 
What can the Blues do either internally? I, I don't think going externally is going to be in the plans for St. Louis, but who do you think can step up internally that's a younger guy that might be able to provide some offense? Certainly not Tarasenko yeah. numbers, but some offense. No, I think Jordan Cairo, and I, it's such a well-phrased question, Jamie. I think Jordan Cairo is one of those guys who can really elevate. Um, he's a really good junior player. He's shown flashes in the NHL. Obviously, he needs to get more reps and get more comfortable. I think Sammy Play can add a little bit more offense. Obviously, you know, he's dealt with a lot of injuries during the playoff season this year anyways, but he looks like it. And, I, you know, people don't talk about Ivan Barbashev enough, but if you go back to his junior career when he was playing in Moncton in the Quebec Major Junior League, he put up 90-plus point seasons. So he's got offensive flair as well. So I think they can do it internally. They can do it by committee. You know, Shen is still such a useful player. Uh, everybody knows what Jaden Schwartz can do, especially come playoff time. I mean, they've got guys internally that can still score. But I, I think Jordan Cairo would probably be that young guy that could really step up and alleviate some of that offensive pressure that you'll have if you don't have Tarasenko back for a significant amount of time. Last question that I've got for you, Pierre, is we're talking to Pierre Maguire. He's an NHL analyst for NBC Sports. Uh, one of the young guys that we talked so much about going into this restart was Robert Thomas. And you've been around the juniors for a long time. You've seen a lot of these young guys come into the league. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, what you've seen thus far from Robert Thomas and what kind of a player, in your opinion, he could become if and when he does reach his full potential in this league? Yeah, I think Robert can be a really top-end second-line center is what I think he can do. He's a really crafty playmaker. He loves to have the puck on a stick. He makes the players around him better. He's gotten more gritty as he's become more of a seasoned professional. But I see him as being a real top-end second-line center. Um, I don't see him being a one. I don't see him being an O'Reilly type uh, or an Austin Matthews type. But I see him being a legitimate second-line center on a team that's got a chance to compete for a cup. He's unbelievably talented. And I do think he's gotten, and Jamie could tell you this, he's gotten more of an edge to him uh, in the last little while compared to when he first came in. So I think that's real positive for him and for the Blues. Yeah, Pierre, I, my last question for you here is nothing to do with hockey. How are you doing up there in the bubble? Uh, what's bubble <laughs> life like? I mean, look at you're a guy that, let's be honest, your in-person relationships are strong and what you, you have meet people and you're, the, you're just a personable guy. And in the bubble, it's got to be a little different for you. It's different. Um, it's a different way to live. Uh, I, I, I worry about the players. You know, these guys, are they're playing at such an intensely high level of hockey and there's no outlet i mean you're you're locked in basically a fenced in area 24 7 and really your only outlet is getting to the rink and you know they've been here almost six weeks now the teams that are still alive so it's not so much a physical thing it's a mental thing that's my biggest concern for them but no the nhl has been phenomenal jamie the healthcare professionals here we get tested for covid every day they've been great you can't leave your hotel lobby till you pass a temperature test uh, so you have to have your temperature taken every day before you can leave. Um, it, it's really it's it's a lot more uh, strict way of living than most of us are used to. But I can tell you this: it's been one of the most phenomenal. In 32 years in the NHL, it's probably been the most phenomenal living and learning experience I've ever gone through. Pierre, speaking of living and learning, Jamie's done a lot of that in his life. Um, I, from what I understand, you go back pretty far with one Jamie Rivers. Can you tell me about the time that you met Jamie and what he was like at that point in his life? 
<laughs> yeah, he was probably 14 or 15 um, when I met him before he went to play junior. I coached his brother, Sean, who was a tremendous player, played in the NHL as well, uh, defenseman, real skilled player. He and Daniel LaPerriere were two really top-end players we had at St. Lawrence at the time. And uh, Jamie, I remember coming down, and he skated with us. And I, like I said, I think he was 14 or 15. He stood out. He was really, really good. Um, and we wanted to recruit him, and his dad said, no, no, he's going to go play junior. So we knew right away we weren't getting him. But, no, he was a really good player. He was a very fun, loving young kid. But I watched him grow up as a pro, as a player, and I always thought the world of him. And that's the reason why I'm on your show. He texted me and asked me to come on, so I said, I'll come on for you, no problem. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it, Pierre. I know that uh, sleep is of the essence up there. I know you guys are busy as heck. And, man, I really appreciate you taking the time this morning come on and and talk some hockey with us and uh anytime uh, i appreciate it stay well up in the bubble pierre and thanks a lot man really appreciate your time today my pleasure be safe everybody thanks a lot jimmy take care you got it that's pierre mcguire nhl analyst for nbc sports joining us here on 101 espn if you missed it there is some breaking news in the nhl for the st louis blues they have officially traded Jake Allen to Montreal. They have traded Jake Allen and a seventh round pick in 2022. That will all be going up to Montreal. The Blues in return get a third and a seventh round pick in 2020. Want to discuss this a little bit further, Jamie? This clears $4.5 million in cap space. The Blues already had two. I'm going to do some quick math in my head. That's about $6.5 million. We're getting closer to that eight number that we needed to see. Does this mean the Blues and Petro are a little closer than we thought? We'll talk about that coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blues superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So the Blues have made a move. It's their first significant move of the offseason. They have traded Jake Allen and a seventh-round pick in 2022 up to Montreal. In return, they will get a third and a seventh-round pick in this year's NHL draft. That's not the important part. We all like the draft picks. That's not really what this is all about. The big news here is the Blues didn't have to add any money into this deal. So they will get the full $4.35 million in cap relief from Jake Allen's contract. They're now up to just about $6.5 million of salary cap for the upcoming NHL season. Jamie, that seems relatively significant given the fact that we've talked so much about this Alex Petrangelo contract situation, and it feels like 8 to $9 million is probably the sweet spot for him in terms of the average annual value on his deal. You're getting closer and closer. There's probably one more move that needs to be made here to be able to get to that number, but what do you make of how quickly they got rid of Jake Allen, how swiftly they made this move. Well, I think it makes sense. Uh, Listen, Jake Allen, first of all, let's talk about Jake just for a second. This guy has been just an unbelievable professional for the last couple of years. Throughout his whole career, truly, he has been. He's done nothing but give everything he's had for the St. Louis Blues. And in the last two years specifically, two seasons, he's really, really earned, I think, the respect of the fan base here by doing what he's done. And this year was fantastic. The way he played gave the Blues the opportunity to make a deal like this. There, I told you before, there are people out there that wanted Jake Allen. Lots of teams wanted Jake Allen. So by Army making this deal, though, it does let you know. You were able to just do that math really quick, right? Which is very good. It's Congratulations. For yeah. Ferrario and I would have been stuck on that for another day. But anyways, doing the math so quickly, now Doug Armstrong knows, okay, here's where I'm at right now. 
Now I know my next moves, or at least I have an idea of what my next moves may be in order to get this deal done. It also shows the um, the the representatives for Alex Petrangelo as well as Petro. The Blues are making steps here, right? This is, hey, we're in this together. We're trying to meet in the middle. We're trying to keep this a really good partnership between the organization and the player and his representatives. This speaks volumes to me that it looks like they're trying to at least get an idea of where they can go from here. Does it mean it's done deal? No. Everything could fall apart. There's always that opportunity. But I do think it's really smart uh, of Doug Armstrong and the St. Louis Blues to get this deal done quickly, find out where you're at roughly. And now, quite honestly, with the cap relief you'll get from Tarasenko of the 7.5 or 7 million, whatever it is, the actual hit. Now you've got some you've got some wiggle room here. You know, you don't want to get nailed at the finish line where Tarasenko comes back and now you're, you're way over the cap. But at least now you can breathe a little bit and maybe negotiate a little stronger to where you can meet somewhere. So according to Jeremy Rutherford, this is his latest. He says the Jake Allen trade would seem to mean that the Blues are working towards an extension with Petrangelo. But my understanding as of today is that they are not even close. Again, that coming from Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider for 101 ESPN and The Athletic. So that's where they're at right now. I This stuff moves so quickly, though, sometimes. Like, you can go from you're not even close. For example, the NFL right now, you've got a, a standoff between the Saints and Alvin Kamara. And there was reports that came out yesterday that, oh, the Saints are open to trading him. And then by the end of the day, it was... Well, the Saints are just looking out there to show him what his value is across the league. They want to re-sign him, but they're not close. They're going to meet in the middle. It's going to be fine. They'll they'll figure it out. I would expect something similar here. Whenever this happens, it's probably going to come together quicker than most people are anticipating. I also would say this, Jamie. I don't think that the Blues make this move unless they feel like they are moving towards re-signing Alex Petrangelo. Because otherwise, why are you getting rid of Jake Allen? You just said it. He was an important piece to what the Blues did this year. They, If they wanted to move him for a significant piece, they probably could have paid down part of that salary and got more in return. It's nice to get these draft picks. That, that helps. A third and a seventh round pick is great. But if you were just doing this for the return, you probably pay down some of the salary and you're able to get a better draft pick in return as a result. They didn't do that. They wanted the cap relief. And so that would lead me to believe this is showing signs of they're moving towards re-signing Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. And look, let's remember something about Doug Armstrong. And I, I have to give him full credit because in today's day and age, it's almost impossible to keep everything behind closed doors. It really is. Somebody hears something, talks to somebody. There's a leaky faucet somewhere, always. And and Doug does a tremendous job of always being very disciplined and telling all of us, ah, you know what? We don't really talk about it in the media. And he makes sure people around him are the same way. So the fact that, well, they're not even close, who knows? Like, really, who knows? Because Army does keep that very, very internal and very quiet. And it's better for everybody that way. But, yeah, you look at these moves. Uh, look, you have Ville Husso, who's on a one-way deal next year. And, and we had a text say, well, you're not getting all that back because Husso makes 750000 Correct, but his cap hit will be 750000 It's not going to be 4.3 or whatever Jake Allen 4. was. 4.35. 4.35. So you're gaining some ground there. So, yes, mathematically, BK screwed up, and we'll blame him later. No, that's already on the cap, so we're good. I was correct all right, on that. There we go. All right, BK's right. <laughs> yeah, that's so on text the cap. line. Yeah, take a bow. Anyways, uh, no, but look. You, you, you say won- a lot about me. I am prepared on this one. You are. Wow, that was quick, too. You're right. Ready for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, the Jake Allen move, 
It doesn't surprise me. You've got your next goalie in waiting. You've got uh, some cap space. And Doug Armstrong, too. Look at guys, I hate to say this because I really want Alex Petrangelo to be back here. Petro is a great guy, great captain. But what if they move on from him? What if Doug Armstrong decides to explore another right-handed defenseman? What if he decides to explore a Tyson Berry who's out there on the unrestricted market He's not going to be $8 million. We know that. He's going to fall in the 5 to 6 range. And if that's the case, guess what? You already have your money. I'm not suggesting, and I'm not starting rumors, that's just an example of why you clear out some cap space. In case plan A doesn't work, you have to have a plan B ready to go because Doug has a big responsibility of doing right by the organization, not just each individual player. Yeah, to me, this, and as much as I agree with you on that, BK, this was kind of the writing on the wall, and I don't, it's correlated with Petrangelo, but it's not, because once that one-year or one-way contract went to Villejuso, you kind of had the writing on the wall that Jake Allen was done, because Doug Armstrong doesn't give out those one-way contracts unless they're going to be on the roster. The same with Nico Mikola, which is why the Petrangelo thing is such kind of a 50-50 shot right now because he handed out that contract. Now, look, he can be your seventh defenseman, and that's what you need. And he's a left-handed defenseman Correct. as well. Correct. You can carry eight, depending on how you want to build your roster. Well, and for what next year might look like with no AHL until December or January, yeah. you might be carrying more guys. So it's, it's correlated, but it's not correlated because I think the writing on the wall was Ville Husso coming here and this was just Doug Armstrong saying look we got to shed the salary some point it's helpful but now in my eyes the bigger challenge comes for Doug Armstrong and I said this to Joe last night this will be the toughest move that Doug Armstrong will have made up to this point of going with Petrangelo or not going with Petrangelo but now I think is where the difficulty comes in of do we find a way to get one of these guys moved, or do we just stick with what we got? Might have been the obvious move, but the way they did it, the fact that they didn't eat any of the salary, yeah. I think was the significant part that of it. That is telling. That's very telling. They took on nothing in return purposely so that they did have that money on the books, at least. And you got to – I mean, I know people kind of scoff at draft picks, but, I mean, a third-round pick is, is pretty damn less good. less than they got for Brian Elliott, though. And, and I do think well, that's notable. That we're, we're getting a lot of tax. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line. How is that all that they were able to get? But Elliott was the starter when you traded him away for the Blues. Yeah, he was your legit number one. Elliott took you to the second round of the playoffs as your number one. Jake I, has been a backup for two years. I think he took him all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Was that the year? Him and Jake were splitting back and forth, but I, he, I all the way against the Sharks. Yeah. yeah. So, so. so you went to the Western Conference conference final with Brian Elliott as the number one. Jake has been a starter or a backup for two whole years. I mean, Jake last year started 45 games and then this year started 21. Brian Elliott, when you traded him, had started 38 games that year. He had it, injury though that year. Mm-hmm. And, and no, remember I, the 45 was at the beginning of the season where he did struggle. Understood. Yeah. And, and I get why this is what they got in return. I'm just saying like if I, if I am a fan right now and I see, okay, well they got a second round pick for Brian Elliott. Why weren't they able to get that for Jake Allen? I wonder a little bit. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to get to here is they probably could have got that in return for Jake Allen if they ate some of the money on well, Allen's or if contract. they waited longer. Sure. Right? And I, I, I think that goes back to our initial point in this whole thing is I do think the Blues wanted to get some solidification on what they would have for salary cap. And yeah, to your point, could Army have waited longer right down to the to the wire of the, the draft? Yeah, Edmonton and Calgary and Carolina, these teams are starving for a goalie that can step in there and play. Ottawa is starving for a goalie. But do you wait that long and then negotiations have to come to a complete stop and then you're not sure? 
I like doing this. Get it out of the way. Everybody knew. I think everybody knew this deal was coming anyways. Get it done. Get it out of the way. You get a pretty good return. Heck, Colton Pareko was, what, a third rounder, yep. I think? Not yep. bad. Never know. Let's get another one of those. Never know. To that point, though, about the goalie, if you wait longer, then more goalers, more goalies hit the free agent market. More teams aren't willing to give up to take on a full salary with that because they're going to sign somebody who might be cheaper. The other thing, and I think you guys have both kind of mentioned this, this was the obvious move. This this was coming, and it was a matter of what are you getting in return? How much of the contract are you eating, if any of the contract? And, and we knew this was going to come eventually. Now it's the hard part. We knew Jake, we have talked all offseason since the Blues have ended their run in the postseason. We have talked about how, okay, Jake Allen's won. Now, who are the other pieces or what is the other piece that you move out as the secondary portion of this to be able to bring back Petro? And that's where it gets hard. We talked to Jeremy Rutherford yesterday. He said, I don't know who's going to take on that Tyler Bozak contract. We've talked about yeah, that. You can eat some of it. You now you can. Sure. You can eat $2 million of it, yeah. make it a $3 million contract. What I'm saying is now that decision comes into play. Do they look at an Alex Steen buyout? You guys have both said uh, it seems unlikely potentially that that would be the case. Do they trade a guy like Braden, Sh- or excuse me, not Braden Shin? Uh, do they go with a Jaden <laughs> Schwartz? Don't you throw that slander out there. Check yourself. <laughs> do, do they trade Jaden Schwartz? Do they look at the guy that has one year left and, and try to get as much in return as you can? I, I wouldn't go that route, but maybe they look at it. That's where things become difficult. Now is the tough decision. The first part was easy. Now it gets even tougher. First of all, the next guy, and then getting the deal actually done with Petro. Can I say this real quick? Joey no. made a okay. I'm fine. Sorry. <laughs> Joey said this last night, which which made a lot of sense to me. You know how we talked about Craig Bruby's decision in the playoffs of going with Bennington and going down with your guy. It's one of these things now where you look at Alex Petrangelo and Doug Armstrong looks at it as one or two ways. Do we go the route of not signing Petrangelo? and taking that chance, which some GMs are willing to do? Or do you fall down and say, look, we're going to give this $8 million to the guy, and if we fail, we don't win a cup, but we go eight years and we go into cap hell. We did it with our guy. It's very similar situations, which I found really intriguing. Yeah, and this is why I, I say a lot, let's not read into what we're seeing in the media because Doug Armstrong, again, is a super disciplined, super private general manager. And I think he realizes that there will be, and I said this, what, last week, I think, there'll be forgiveness. If you get to six, seven, eight in in the year of the contract, or seven, eight, and Alex Petrangelo isn't your number one right-handed defenseman anymore, you're going to get forgiveness from the organization, from your fan base, from anybody in the NHL. They're going to go, yeah, it doesn't matter. We get it. You got five or six great years out of this guy, and you had to do it. So I don't think... I don't think they're going to ultimately be that far apart. I guess maybe I'm hoping they're not, uh, but this certainly does. Uh, it adds a little clarity to the situation. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. If you'd like to get in any questions for questions and answers, that's coming up next. Coming up at 1245, Stanley Cup champion, former Blues forward Pat Maroon will join us, and we'll talk more about the Jake Allen situation with Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, coming up at 130. But questions and answers, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line for questions and answers. I know this is something that Jamie's particularly interested in. This comes from the 618. Guys, do you think this Allen trade is potentially a three-way deal? Seems crazy to me that Montreal would take $15 million on for the goalie position. 
that is an awful lot of money. That, that That's a steep price. And, yeah, we kind of talked about it a little bit in the break. And I just said, look, Mark Bergevin is a savvy general manager up there in Montreal. He's got a good young team. He's got some draft picks that he's acquired. Uh, it, it's not crazy to think that Jake Allen could be on the move at the draft day and to a team that desperately needs another goalie. This might have been a great move by Mark Bergevin to acquire an asset that he was able to do with a third-round pick, like you said, Alex, that he picked up for Kovalchuk, yeah. and he adds in the seventh-rounder, which is, you know, that's a nice little extra there. But I wouldn't be surprised if old Bergie there, the old sly guy, has got, uh, you know, plans for flipping Jake yeah, in the I mean, future. He's got history of it, not just Kovalchuk, who we got from the Kings and flipped for the third-round pick, but he did it with Scandella. Acquired Scandella from Buffalo in the offseason, or I believe at the beginning of the season, flipped him to St. Louis for, I think it was the second round draft pick that they got. So sometimes they do that, but I will say Jake Allen is a commodity that Montreal desperately needs. I don't remember who their backup was this season, but he didn't play more than 15 games. Carey Price still got overworked. And at this point, you need a guy who can offset some of the workload from Carey Price. 15 million is an awful lot in one yeah. position. And I think Carey... Especially with the flat cap. Yeah. yeah. Carey might be a free agent after no, this. No, he's got like he's got five more years, years oh, yeah. I think, at 10 yeah. million. He's going to get flipped. Yeah. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Wow, he has another six years on his contract, yeah. Carey Price. 60 was, million uh, left. That was a crazy crazy six years at ten and a half million dollars per year. That you know is a lot of you know what's even, How is he going to make ends meet with that? I don't know. You know what's even crazier? People still in the NHL when they do those player selections, they still select Carey Price as the best goaltender in the NHL. He's 33 years old. He's pretty, I'll tell you what, he's pretty damn good. He is, but like, it's amazing to me that they still look at him that way and 33 and I mean, not putting up the numbers that he used to. No, no, that's true. But look at Henrik Lundqvist up until this past season was putting up incredible numbers. And I think yeah. Lundqvist is 37 now. Yeah. So if you do the math, Carey Price, if he holds just at where he's at right now, the contract is expensive, but it's not horrible. It sounds similar to something we've been talking about here in St. Louis recently. <laughs> yeah. From the 314, guys, who do you think is likely to be the next player from the Blues that gets traded? Uh. I don't if, you had to, if you had to shoot your shot right now and you're saying this is how the Blues are going to make the money available for Alex Petrangelo, what do you think is that guy? I'll let you think on this, Rose, because I think you said something that made me perk my ears up. The Tyler Bozak might be an interesting one now, and I know we've said before it's not going to be easy to trade $5 million, but now you can eat $2 million of that and still have $9 million free for the offseason to get Petro done, and somebody would be willing to take a Stanley Cup champion who can play 15, 16 minutes a night for you and play your third line at $3 million. Let me add something to this to just blow your minds. Let's talk about Tyler Bozak and trading him and not even having to eat any of the salary. Ooh, tell you want me to know more, how they do tell that? me more. Do you want to know how they do that? How do they Doug do Armstrong takes his third round pick that he just acquired for Jake Allen. Sweetener. Adds it to the Tyler Bozak deal to a team that desperately needs some draft picks. Boom. Somebody's Bob's willing uncle. to do that, though? Five million just for a third round pick? Or you think you got to up If it? it's a team that has to continue to stock the cabinets, a third round pick is a legit pick. Anything in the top three rounds, and I know there's players that are afterwards, oh, this guy was drafted in the sixth round. I understand that. Those yeah. guys are rare, okay? Yeah. Your top three rounds. 
I'm telling you what, that sweetens the pot. And they might have another prospect, a young guy that's in San Antonio, now Springfield, that would be like enticing to go, well, you know what? This guy could pan out. It's also an expiring deal, too. Yeah. Like next year is the final year on Bozak's yeah. deal. So it's not like the other team that you're trading him to would be taking on three years of a bad contract. It's one year and it's $5 million. There's a lot of teams around and the league a that good player. could. Yeah. He's a good player. Like a team like Ottawa, quite yeah. honestly, a team like Ottawa would be so smart to come mm-hmm. and get a Tyler Bozak. They have the cap space. Yep. They've got a young team. He could do so much with that team. And they could use that draft pick, too, because they're still trying to build this young or team. Or even a non-contender. You take on the $5 million. So you got so much cap space because you're a bad hockey team. <laughs> you take it on, and maybe you flip him at the deadline. You get more than the third-round pick that you just took on. Maybe you, you can get a second at the deadline because yep. he's playing well, and there's a team that needs a third-line center uh-huh. that can play on the PK. Like that, That's something that a lot of teams around the league could use at the trade deadline. So Bozak could be an interesting commodity. And maybe maybe it's instead of the $5 million, the Blues would then only have to eat $1 million. And you get $4 million of cap relief, and that would put them at 10 and a half in yeah. cap space, yeah. which is plenty of money not only for Petrangelo, but then you could also get Vince Dunn done with that oh, as well. Look at that. Nice. Love 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Yeah, we got one here. A question regarding Bill Armstrong that's from the 314. Any new info on Florida interviewing Bill Armstrong for their GM job? Uh, it has been confirmed that the Florida Panthers are going with Bill Zito, mm-hmm. who is the Columbus Blue Jackets assistant GM. So Bill Armstrong, um, I guess, officially eliminated from the position in Florida. So that's huge for St. Louis. Bad news for Bill because he's put in a lot of time and effort and done a fantastic job. But it's great news for the St. Louis Blues because he is a guy that knows his stuff. He's been an amazing amateur scouting director, yeah. and he's just he's top notch in this league. And go in if you don't believe that he's done a great job go look at that Corey Pronman uh's article on the athletic about the pro- the prospects for the blues franchise I-, I mean the players that are still up and coming I mean, Corey Pronman's ranking them as, you know, top tier NHL players. That's all from Bill Armstrong and his scouting department of finding these players who can play at this level. And Corey Pronman will join us here on Riz and BK tomorrow on 101 ESPN. 65780. Uh, this one's actually really funny. From the 314. Uh, let me get this straight. Jamie Rivers, a third round draft pick, is telling us that you can get a quality player in the third round. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Point proven. Thank you. Final question here from the 314. We'll get to our guy Danny Mack coming up momentarily. But first, from the 314, guys, do you think Doug Armstrong could make a trade that no one sees coming? And if so, who do you think would be a candidate for a trade like that? I'll give you guys a second to think on this because I saw this first. I will give you my candidates for this. If he were to do this, I think there would be two candidates. Be Justin Falk or Marco Scandella. I think those those would be the two guys that if he makes a big trade that nobody saw coming here locally, and I guess we've at least kind of talked about it briefly, but they haven't really been among the top candidates for a trade. Those would probably be the guys that I would look Isn't at. Isn't Falk no trade, though? Yeah, but he he just has to approve it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's a modified no trade. No, it's, no a, it's, it's a no trade, but at the end of the day, he you can, can say, approve it for it. Okay. This is what we're doing. We're, we want to move on, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He, he gets asked if he can waive it. Yeah. 
I like your thinking. I don't think that uh, uh, Scandella. I'm not expecting either of those, but if there's one that surprises us, I Scandella to me is interesting because I think he has value out there on the market. I think it's clear, even in talking to Pierre Maguire, you know, he said Montreal wouldn't have even traded him had they thought they were going to be in the playoff picture because he was that valuable to their team. So I think there's value out there. Right now, I think Justin Falk has to rebuild his stock. Uh, if he was a $5 million defenseman right now, I think it would be an easy one. I think that you would have people lined up outside the door, but at what, seven, seven, five, six point seven five, I think that's his cap hit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think six that's, and a half. I think that's a little high to have somebody. And with six years left on the deal, mm-hmm. that's a little high right now. I think, I think Justin Falk, I think he has the ability to rebuild his stock for one thing, but he's definitely got to rebuild it. If he's going to become an asset in that way for your team, uh, I'll give you one that I don't know. I I don't like it, but I could see them moving Jordan Cairo. And we just heard Pierre Maguire say that Cairo is a guy that needs to step up without Tarasenko. And and I agree. So a guy who's been in the organization now for a few years, he's been injured. He hasn't really been able to take that spot. I think if you package him with a Tyler Bozak and a third round draft pick, I think somebody would be really interested in jumping on that because Cairo to some teams is a top six winger. I think in Doug Armstrong's eyes, he might not fit the mantra of this team. He reminds me a lot of Anthony Duclair, yeah. who's been moved around two or three times in his young career because he was so fast, so good offensively, mm-hmm. but just ha- he was having a hard time rounding out his game and last year in Ottawa he was an all-star came to St. Louis played in the all-star game representing Ottawa that's quite the jump and I think that to me that's that's a good comp for Jordan Cairo is an Anthony Duclair he could be a 20-25 goal guy really electric to watch but it might take a few years to get he reminds me a lot of Robbie Fabry too just, yeah. uh, although he hasn't had the ACL injuries, he just reminds me of a guy that doesn't fit the blue system, but he fits a team like Detroit system that just wants a guy who can f- put speed on there. 65780 is their comfort service X line from the 636. Hilarious, BK. You got to think bigger. Schwartz for sure. I just can't see this. T- I, I don't not think for, they can trade. I don't, think they, I don't think they have an appetite yeah. for that right now. And not with Tarasenko. I mean, you don't have Tarasenko. You yeah. need Schwartz. He's, too many question marks for your offense. And yeah. hey, we could be wrong. Maybe he makes a trade and something. I don't know. I mean, Army's been known to make magic sometimes, so Schwartz just fits the Barubi system. Like, if there's a player you need on this roster, it's what Schwartz brings to the table. Just don't know how anybody could watch what happened in the postseason and say to themselves, yeah, that guy's dispensable. He's, he's just, he's a really good player once you get to the postseason. He fits what they want to do. I, I agree with you, Ferrario. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals have a crunch, a numbers crunch in the outfield and at third base. What does it mean for Matt Carpenter out there? We'll talk with Danny Mack, the Cardinals broadcaster, when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. He's former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Now we're going out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line to talk to another superstar. He is Danny Mack. He's the host of Scoops with Danny Mack weekdays from 10 to 11 o'clock right here on 101 ESPN. Dan, how you doing, man? Another superstar. Just ask me. <laughs> I don't even have to ask You're you, Dan. You're a superstar, Danny Mack. You know oh, that, brother. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Rivs. Really means a lot coming from you, too. 
<laughs> Not sure how to take that, but uh, thank you, I think. So, Dan, we talked about this a little bit in the crossover. I want to I want to continue on this line of thinking because the Cardinals are in a numbers crunch right now, and it's going to help that they've got all these double headers coming up. But we, we talked about Tommy Edmond and Brad Miller, what they're going to do with that at third base and what they're going to do with this crowded outfield. What, what do you think all of this means for Matt Carpenter and his playing time in the near future? Well, Miller's got a DH, and if one of the outfielders steps up, those outfielders have to play. And because of what you're talking about, uh, Tommy Edmonds got to play too, and he's starting to get hot. So um, it could mean a curtailed playing time for Matt Carpenter, but the schedule is going to benefit him. And the way that Mike has been using the schedule is that to keep guys fresh, they're all in and out of the lineup. And I I think it was to the detriment of the defense because there wasn't a regular defense out there. I think it did hurt their infield defense, not their outfield defense. So I, I think Carpenter plays because you're going to have to rest guys you know, at, at certain times, and he, he's he got to play. Now, you do have the off day on Thursday. We'll see what the lineup looks like tonight. Maybe some of the veterans rest, although this is a chance to get separation between yourself and Cincinnati and really get some good separation there and, and keep pace with the Cubs. So all those things are options right now for the Cardinals, and they're good problems to have, you know, especially if somebody like one of the outfielders steps up. But again, BK, I, I think your your question is a valid one. I really do. All right, Danny, a lot of baseball certainly going to be squeezed in for the Cardinals this year. We know that. And the fact that they get an off day is is pretty incredible. But after that, we know it's a sprint for them. And my question is, when you look at that and you talk about specifically, you know, it's going to be a lot of baseball. Guys are going to be in. Guys are going to be out. Do you think that that helps John Mosaylock and Mike Schilt figure out who they've got moving forward? and Or do you think it hurts because you don't have steady game after game after game and you're kind of moving pieces around all the time? I think that the hardest thing is is trying to just make sure you fill the innings with your pitching. Now, it would have been really tough. It was really tough initially when you came back after the 17-day layoff and trying to cover innings and guys weren't stretched out. That was really hard, really hard. Um, I thought Brad Miller put it best after the game yesterday when he said, we're playing with house money. As a hitter, you're playing with house money, and I, I think as a team, in a way, you're playing with house money. And, and Mo has said, hey, we're, we're just happy to be playing baseball. So to answer your question, Rivs, I think with guys getting stretched out now, not to say it's easy, I just think it's easier because Wayno can go deeper into games. Uh, Kim can give you a deeper start. Oviedo can give you, uh, give you a deeper start. So when you're playing these seven-inning games, there's no reason to think that these guys can't give you a complete game. They are defined by their pitching. There, there's no doubt about that. This team is not defined by their offense. They're not defined by their defense. It's been poor at times. They're defined by their pitching. So their pitching is going to keep them in games. It's going to keep them uh, in the race. So I, I think it gets easier in that regard. And, and again, I, I want to use that term loosely. It's not easy with all these doubleheaders they have coming up. The next two weeks, um, it's brutal. It's a brutal stretch of baseball. It's not easy, uh, even though I'm using that term. It's just easier to handle because guys are stretched out, and you have Carlos Martinez coming back. So how do you how do you figure this out? I think, like we were talking about earlier, you got to mix and match. You got to give some of your veterans a rest, um, and you got to figure out just you know trying to keep guys as fresh as you can. It's not an easy thing to do, but they're going to have to find a way to do it. Dan, I'm glad you brought up the starting pitching because that's what I wanted to get to with you next. The last four starts that the Cardinals have had, 
a 1.4 ERA, a whip, walks, hits, innings pitched of less than 0.8 in the last 26 innings. So four starts, 26 innings. That's damn good. They now have the second best starting pitching ERA in the major leagues, the first best in the national leagues among their starting pitching. We said coming into the year, this was going to be what their identity was, their starting pitching. I think we now know for sure four of them. Flaherty, Wayno, Hudson, KK. Who do you expect to be that fifth guy? I know Oviedo's getting that start tonight. Do you think he can take control of that fifth spot in the starting rotation? Well, he'll get a shot. You know, Ponce did not take control of that. And then the other guy will be Carlos, and he'll be the fifth de facto guy. Or, you know, Oviedo is going to be in there with all the doubleheaders coming up. You know, Kim, since the ERA became an official stat, which I believe was 1913, is the only left-handed pitcher with a lower ERA over his first four career starts uh, since Fernando Valenzuela, who had a .25. How good is that? I mean, that's that's incredible. And I was looking at some numbers last night. BK, I know you love to get into numbers, too. As a further point to just how good their pitching has been, when they score first, they are 9-2. and two. That's the highest winning percentage in the National League, second best in all of Major League Baseball because the pitching is so good. So if you give these guys a lead, they keep it. And and that is something to keep in mind. If they get a lead, the pitching holds the lead. So the offense now is starting to pick it up again. And this team looked really tired, really tired on, on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Saturday was a tough loss. The Wayno start, I think, you know, you can't overlook it just what it meant to him personally, but what it did for the team. You know, it was just a pick-me-up when they needed it. So it was a pick-me-up on the pitching staff and just a pick-me-up as a whole. Now they've gone into that Cincinnati series. And, and think about what the Cardinals' offense has done as opposed to what the Reds have done. The last three games, um, the Cardinals' offense, 30 runs scored. The Reds' pitching in their last three games, 33 runs allowed. And I, I really thought the Reds' pitching would define them, too. It hasn't. And the Cardinals have taken advantage of that. And now they got a chance at a sweep tonight. Yeah, Danny, we talk, uh, we talked a little bit earlier today about Dylan Carlson, and you talk about you know guys looking tired and maybe needing a little bit of a rest. He uh, he got the he got the night off last night, and I'm just wondering. And we talked about it here earlier. Do you think maybe another night off and giving him a full three days to kind of reset himself might be something that Mike Schilt considers? You know, BK brought up that point in the crossover. I had not considered it, and I do think it's a really valid point. Just a reset for him mentally. Uh, and, and we talked about for the veterans, too. Now, you're running out of time. It's September 2nd, and it is a race to the finish, only a 60-day season. But it's a young kid, and so you give him the day off tonight. You got the day off tomorrow. It's a mental reset. And I do think it's a valid point. And you still want to get Bader in there, O'Neal, and Thomas. Thomas had a double last night. He had an outfield assist. He had a walk last night. Um, and he still deserves to get a little bit of a run. So it wouldn't surprise me if he plays tonight. And as we've talked about, you know, the Cardinals, one way to get some of these young guys at bats, especially if they have a lead, their best defensive outfield is having some combination of that group in there, which does include Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson, through his struggles offensively, has handled his defensive responsibilities, wherever it's been, left, center, or right, very well. He's, he's made some really good plays and gotten good jumps and throws, a couple of outfield assists. So he's done that part well. Bader's elite defensively. Thomas can handle it. And I think 
think O'Neal has been fine in left field, even though he had one misplay um, in in the series uh, homestand last week. So that is one way to get those guys at bats and, and somehow to keep them sharp. But to your original point, uh, Rivs, it, it might be the best thing to do. Just give them three days off, reset, and then and get set back uh, when you go into Wrigley this weekend. Final question that I've got for you. We're talking with Danny Mack, the Cardinals broadcaster here on 101 ESPN. I was looking stuff up about the, the offense last night because, of course, whenever they go through such an offensive outburst, you kind of start looking at some of those things. I, I came across the fact that the Cardinals lineup is now 11th in baseball and weighted runs created plus. Now, for anybody that's not into the numbers, that basically means what's their offensive production and you weight it for the ballpark factor. So when you're playing right. in a pitcher's park, how much does that affect it? And you weight it for those sorts of things. Right on the outside of the top 10 looking in right now, Dan, have we overstated a little bit the struggles of this offense? And, and how good can this offense be in your opinion? Well, I, I think Miller is has helped it. I, I think we overlook just how good he has been. You know, we knew he had pop with 92 career home runs now. Now, 30 of those 92 came in one season, and seven runs batted in. That's, uh, you know, that, that's a lot in one game, obviously, in 11 total bases. I mean, that's, that's pretty darn good. You know, the last five Cardinals to do that prior to Miller were Carpenter, Beltron, Ann Keel, Roland, Big Mac. Albert never did it. But and, and Goldschmidt is the league's uh, eighth lowest strikeout rate, is, and he's also got the league's highest walk rate. So those two guys in the middle should not be overlooked at, at the combination, to your point, of what they're doing. And so I think a lot of the frustrations with the offense get looked at, let's say, with Carpenter. And I think they get looked at that O'Neill after a good start. Um, he has not been producing. But don't overlook what Dexter Fowler is doing. Fowler has been very good. Um, don't overlook at what you know Yadier Molina is doing with runners in scoring position. He's fifth best in the National League right now. Um, don't overlook the fact that Colton Wong was four for four by the fifth inning last night. Now he's picked it up. Now he had a rough homestand, but he's starting to pick it up. So now you're getting the guy at the top of the order to kind of get in front of the guys in the middle. So to your point, BK, I think we we over uh, accentuate some of the negatives that are happening with the lineup, but the, the, we're taken for granted maybe. And I, maybe I'm, I'm making the point for you, but I think we're taking for granted the guys that are really good. We're taking them for granted. They're really good. And we're also taking for granted how good they've been with the bases loaded. And they're coming up with the bases loaded a lot, a lot. And maybe we put too many eggs in the basket of Dylan Carlson. He came up with a ton of uh, plate appearances with runners on and didn't produce. Now, that's changed a little bit at the end of the homestand. Didn't come through early on. But, you know, some of these guys are producing, and don't overlook them. They're doing a good job. So you're going to have some of those lulls in the middle of the lineup at times, but some of those guys are producing, and so don't overlook them. They're, they're doing a fairly good job. And now DeYoung is starting to hit a little bit too. And if they can get the you know a handful of these guys going, they're going to be just fine with the pitching that they're getting. Dan, Brad Miller currently has a better OPS than Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado. <laughs> Wow. A better OPS than some of the best players in baseball. It's ridiculous. So you're saying that they're going to get the statue going. I, they're already working on I mean, the, the statue. On it. They, need yeah. to get his, they need to get it ready in Cooperstown. He needs the bus to be ready. This is ridiculous. It was unbelievable. The, the ball that he hit down the right field line last night was just destroyed. 
I thought he yanked it into like the the river, but I thought he hit it about thirty feet foul, and then went off the foul pole. And I looked at Jimmy. We're in a studio together, and his eyes were like saucers. His gasp <laughs> when he heard it was incredible. <laughs> he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> he was like, "Holy smokes!" He it, tattooed that thing. It was amazing, Dan. We're yeah. looking forward to hearing you on the call once again tonight. Five forty, first pitch, Cardinals versus the Reds. Cards looking for the sweep. Uh, quietly, they are kind of putting the Reds a little bit at, at a distance right now so it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do tonight we're looking forward to hearing you on the call we always enjoy having you on the show thanks so much for the time today dan great to be with you guys thanks you got it that's dan mclaughlin joining us here on 101 espn it's 12 19 your time check brought to you by clerks and jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler i i can't say how amazed i am by what our guy and i don't say that lightly our guy Brad Miller has oh, been yeah, able to do so far guy. this year. Say, Rivs, have we discussed this internally? Like, are we going to allow him to just jump on the Brad Millen bandwagon? I don't. I, I can't have it happen. No. You know what? Know why we can't? Why? Because we've heard him jump on bandwagons before. Yeah. Tyler O'Neill as actually we received a cease and desist letter from Tyler O'Neill making yeah. sure that BK can no longer support him. Dylan Carlson might be thinking the same thing too. <laughs> He's mad at us. Yeah, now. we're done. Do you remember Brad Thompson coming in here yesterday saying that, hey, he thinks the the slipper has fallen off of our boy Millsy? I think Brad Thompson is the one that you need to be looking at right now. <laughs> Look at what he was able to do last night. Doug Armstrong is talking right now. He's got some quotes on why he decided to move Jake Allen at this particular moment and an interesting quote from Doug Armstrong on Alex Petrangelo. We'll tell you about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's Ribs and BK on 101 ESPN. I just yelled at Ferrario coming into this. No yelling at Ferrario anymore. What the heck is wrong with you? I look, I yell at you off the air, but Jesus. there's no yelling at me off the air. We're a team in here. What the heck is wrong with you? Like, if he's having a bad day, we step up and we call him out. That's it. I'm done. So I'm far, done. he's been average, which is good for Alex. Yeah, there's been no Long Islands that I have, have been, been concerned thus far. <laughs> I have been average today, boys, and that's all I strive for. The Trulies are sitting on the <laughs> sideline for this morning, getting into those. Maybe tomorrow. We've got a long weekend. Speaking so of that, guys, last uh-oh. night. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah, I, I think I was confused of what day of the week it was. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that like every day for you? Yeah. Got into him a little early. Yeah. I, I started uh, getting into the Cabernet, and it was the Cab versus me at one point, and I think I finished third at the end of it all. Always a good spot to finish. Yeah. Woke up this morning going, what am I doing? Oh, one of my favorite beers was released yesterday. Got that peanut butter and stout. Ooh, oh. it was tasty. Did you say peanut butter and stout? That's what it's called. Yeah. I just, ugh. I, I I'm with you, I guess. I, I support you. How about that? I just can't imagine. Like, I want a beer that tastes like beer. Do you like Reese's peanut butter cups? No. Yeah. For, yeah. As a snack, Now imagine a that beer. as a beer. Why? It was delightful. That's like pumpkin beer. But why would you change it? It's got your name written all over it. It's 14%. It's like drinking oh, yeah. a wine. Yeah, that is if you. that's the case, I'll just go back to Shilty and drink the Mississippi <laughs> moonshine with him. All right. So, uh, speaking of the blues, <laughs> Doug Armstrong has uh, finished up speaking with the media, talking about the, and if you missed it, by the way, uh, the blues have traded Jake Allen to Montreal. They have, uh, they didn't have to take on any of his $4.35 million cap hit. So they now have $6.5 million 
million in cap space. Jake and a 2022 seventh round pick went to Montreal. The Blues in return get a third and a seventh round pick in this year's NHL draft. So in relation to that, Doug Armstrong just spoke to the media. He first talked about why the decision was to trade Jake Allen right now. I think we've got that quote from Doug Armstrong on why Jake Allen was traded right now. We will get that for you here in just a moment. Do we have that? We have Petro in the cap. The, the cap one. The cap one. Why? Why trade Jake I apologize. Allen right now. It was labeled now flat. you can yell at no, him. No, it was no, labeled flat cap. It wasn't labeled Allen. Here's the flat cap one. Yeah, obviously with a flat cap next year and probably moving forward, uh, we, we wanted to create some some space for for this summer. Also, I think jointly with that is, is trying to incorporate younger players into our group. Billy Huso is a player that we've had high hopes for and uh, we believe has earned his right to compete in the end for an NHL job. And to, to do that, you have to create opportunity. So I think the important part there was the beginning with the flat cap next year and probably moving forward. We wanted to create some space for this summer. Let's be honest. We all know what that's for. Right. Like that. It's Alex Petrangelo. You had to create some space. And there's a guy out there right now who is a free agent that is your captain and has been a huge part of what you're trying to build here. So that was Doug Armstrong talking about why they made the decision to trade Jake Allen right now. He also made a particularly interesting statement about Alex Petrangelo and the Blues intention of keeping him here in St. Louis. I believe that we have this quote. Alex Ferrario. Here we go. I don't think we've made any uh, secret that we'd love to to get Alex signed, and I think Alex just hasn't made uh, made it uh, known that he would like to sign here. So we're going to have to work through that. And at the end of the day, it's a math equation. He said has made it known. Yeah, no, no, that that got a little got, jumbled. Okay, there. I thought he yeah. said hasn't made it known. No. I was like, what? No, no, Listen no. again. I think Alex just hasn't made uh, made it. Uh, Known that he would like to sign here, so we're going to have to work through that. Boy, that sounds like he said hasn't. No, it's it, there's a little like he's like has a uh, like. Trust me, I think Alexis hasn't made uh, made it. I'm uh, pretty sure it sounds like he said hasn't, and I think what he's saying there is Alex has yet to accept a contract. I, I think that's what Army's getting at there is, hey, Alex has to come back to us. Boy, that's hard to by understand. agreeing Damn. to an argue, agreeing to a contract. Yeah, but I can tell you guys, and Petro has been very clear that in every interview that he's had, yeah. He said, I want to be here. My family's here. My wife's from here. My kids are here. I want to end my career. It's a strange quote. And he said it at the end of the playoffs when they were eliminated. It's a little bit of a. Hold on. I want to play it again. Signed. And I think Alexis hasn't made uh, made it. It, it started like, with him saying has and then chuckled with an int at the end of it, yeah. which is really strange. But Petro has come out and said, I, I want to be in St. Louis. We're going to call the FBI. CSI, please. 65780. Tell us what you think. There was one other quote, and we don't have a quote. We don't have this in the audio form, but Ben Fredrickson put this out on Twitter. Army said that this move is about a lot of things. Freeing up the cap space, creating an opportunity for Huso, and yes, the belief that Jordan Bennington can be the guy. That's the part of this that we have not talked about yet Jamie but this is a big portion of this trade is believing that Jordan Bennington despite what we saw in this round robin despite what we saw in the postseason this year whenever they got up to the bubble he's gonna not only be a starter for you he can go back to being what he was previously previously where he's one of the better the premier goaltenders in all of hockey because that's what you're gonna need him to be he's gonna have to carry the load for the Blues next year 
that he hasn't since that second half of whenever he first started for the Blues. Well, he, let's let's be clear here. He carried the load all last year, too, all last season. He Do did. you think Huso is going to be able to take the same load that, yeah. that you got from Jake Allen last year? Maybe not. I think you'll see a cut down probably like 10 games, but Bennington can play 60 games yeah, for I you. Think that, I think that the, the reasoning behind Jake's number of starts this past season until the pause was that they'd played a lot of hockey, and Craig Berube had the the luxury of being able to slow down Bennington's starts and give Jake some starts, and Jake played wonderful when he when he did get those starts. So I think that, look, Bennington is going to be just fine. He'll be fine with taking on a little bit more of the workload in a normal setting, and if it isn't a normal setting next year because we don't know what it's going to look like, Ville Husso's put his time in, guys. He's been an AHL All-Star. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing left for him to do at the minor league level. So he's got to come up. And you know what? If you take your lumps a few times in there as a young guy, much like look at Dylan Carlson right now, he's taking his lumps, but we know he's going to get through it. The backside of all this is going to be just fine. I believe the same to be true about Billy Huso. He's going to be a really good goalie. He hasn't forgotten how to save pucks and he'll get used to the NHL speed and he'll be just fine. Yeah, look, they viewed Billy Huso the way that they viewed Jake Allen at the time and why they traded away Ben Bishop because it was Jake Allen was the guy that was going to be the number one. They view Huso as a number one goaltender. Huso was supposed to be here and not Jordan Bennington, guys. Let's yeah. remember that, okay? Yep. Billy Huso was hurt. Mm-hmm. And so Jordan Bennington got, got the, the shark. got the opportunity kind of out of default. And he had Craig Berube in his in his corner as well, who knew yep. Bennington very well. But Billy Huso was the heir apparent to Jake Allen. And so now, you know, you gotta imagine he's pretty good. And that's the part that I'm with. I mean, they saw Jake Allen and Doug Armstrong said it in the press conference that look, Billy Huso is, is a guy we've we've talked about a lot in this organization, and now it's time to prove it. You go out there and you become a backup, and you know what? You challenge Jordan Bennington to make that big, long contract as a number one. Because if Huso comes up and plays like Bennington did last year, then you got another goalie company. That's what you want in an organization. Yeah, and all I'm saying, and I, I wasn't trying to take away anything from either of them, frankly, but I, we just, we haven't seen Bennington take on the same load that he's going to be required to take on this year. I think he can do it. I do. I believe that he can. We also haven't seen Vallejo come up to the NHL and prove that he can be an NHL goalie. I, the Blues clearly believe that he can. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him a one-way contract and wouldn't be giving him this opportunity. We just haven't seen it thus far. So it's going to include some unknowns going into this year prior, rather than what we have seen the past couple of seasons where even if Jordan Bennington goes down or if you've got a situation where you're in the playoffs, for instance, and Bennington needs to clear his head a little bit, you can go back to Jake Allen. They don't have that to fall back on this year. So it just makes things a little bit more of an unknown as opposed to what you've had in, in, in recent years. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Are we sure? 65780 is there. Come for service text on. We'll play a game of Are We Sure coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. is the air comfort service tax line to get involved in the segment guys are we sure kirk cousins is cut out for this leading thing did you see this latest news story with kirk cousins he was asked um in a podcast with kyle brant of nfl network what do you make of this whole there we go Uh, what do you make of this whole mask situation 
And Kirk Cousins said, quote, if I die, I die. I kind of have peace about that. As the quarterback of your football team during the middle of a pandemic, when the NFL is trying to pull this thing off without a bubble, we're sure that's what they want to hear. <laughs> First of all, okay, from a, a, a team, when you're thinking about your quarterback, I'm like, yeah, that's my guy. He doesn't care. He's going to play through anything. If he dies, if I he die, dies. I die. Now, from a bigger perspective of things, I just don't know if that's the overall thought you should have living your everyday life right now. <laughs> no matter where you fall, uh, as far as what, your, what side of the fence you're on with all this stuff, I just don't know if that is the attitude. Much like Ivan Drago there, if he dies, he dies. But yeah, uh, Kirk Cousins, he's been known to speak a little bit irrationally before. He's done some things that have happened. I think it's just him being him. Does that make any sense? I guess. This dude overthinks everything, though. Like, during the game, you can see the wheels spinning up there, right? And then when he was asked to rate his level of concern over contracting the virus on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being, quote, the person who says that masks are stupid, you're all a bunch of lemmings, and 10 is, I'm not leaving my master bathroom for the next 10 years. (laughs) Cousin replied, quote, I'm not going to call anybody stupid for the trouble that it would get me in, but I'm at a .000001. Wow. First off, God bless the guy who created that scale. Like, that's a great scale. God God leaving your master bathroom. <laughs> that's an interesting stance. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it out there. the middle of a pandemic. I'm going to let him deal with this. Are we sure? 65780 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. If you could pull up the audio Ferrari of Andy Reid. Are we sure Jamie is not going to be buying into the Chiefs bandwagon after hearing Andy Reid's response to when he's going to be wearing his Super Bowl ring? Take a listen. You wear it for special occasions, uh, or if you want a free cheeseburger, you just point right there and show him that (laughs) ring, and you might get one. But uh... Andy Reid's got it figured out, boys. He's got it figured out. I mean, well, not only is he got it figured out for free cheeseburgers, but certainly his personal wardrobe too. the uh, Hawaiian shirts. Uh, I think Andy Reid's a, a funny guy. And it's true. A lot of times, you know, you wear it, you don't, whatnot. But uh, yeah, Andy could certainly benefit from a couple extra free cheeseburgers. Andy's looking better than he once upon a time did, though. Yeah, he, he is. He's looking better. I'm good for him, too. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for Are We Sure? Jamie, are we sure? Brad Miller is in the future at third base or DH for the Cardinals. Are we sure that Brad Miller can't be a big part of this future of this team? No, I'm not sure of that. <laughs> You're in. I'm in. For this year and for years to come. Yeah, I look at I think you have to be. Uh, what uh, what is the other answer? Like, yo, you let him go? If he continue, okay, look at small sample size. We'll get all the baseball experts here. Well, he's done anything this way and do the BK. Well, his whole career he hasn't done squat. But it, <laughs> is that your BK voice? <laughs> it is today. All right. Um, but yeah, I think that if he continues not not producing at this level because it's astronomical. But if he gets if he produces at this level, he's getting the Bryce Harper contract. Yeah, he, he's like what. 
you know, printing his own contract at that point. But if he continues to be positive in the batter's box and doing good things up there and gives Mike Schilt that middle-of-the-order bat that the Cardinals need so desperately, then, yeah, he's our guy moving forward for the DH. Now, the DH, I, I, you'll have to refresh my squashed melon here a little bit, but is the DH going to be back next year, or is it just it's this year? It's not confirmed, but they, they seem to be leaning that direction. Well, if it's back further and maybe forever after that if they decide then yeah brad miller has to be in your plans if it's not that's a tough call because tony edmund is there at third right Do you move on from wong do you not bring back colton wong because tommy edmund could be your third baseman miller could be your second baseman i don't think you want millsy playing the field from from what we've seen yeah, from him so far no this year, DH, then what do you do with him? And he'd be better at second base than he would at third base. Maybe. I, I I'm going to give you my answer to this, and maybe this is why I got voted off of the Millsy Island twice. <laughs> probably exactly why you got voted off. I think this you, you take this for whatever it's worth, and you just you signed him to a one year, two million dollar deal, and you got the bounce back here, and be happy with that. And now allow him to go wherever he goes after this. He's 30 years old for his career. Jamie, I'm going to play into what you just had to say. For his career, he's been an average major league hitter. There it is. This this is the outlier performance. And you ride it. You ride it for everything it's worth for this this season. It very well may last the full 60 games, and it could even last into the postseason. But we've seen this stuff before. Do you guys remember the name Lucas Duda? Lucas Duda was a significant piece of the Mets. I wish I remembered that name. Of the Mets making it to the World Series in 2015. He ended up never really reaching that height ever again. Ride this. Enjoy it. Take it forever. Milk it for everything that it's worth for this season. But after the year, I think Brad Miller, I think this is this is what you're you're paying him for. You pay him the two and a half million dollars and you move on. I don't know about that. And to your point, Miller over Wong, I don't know if I'd do that. I mean, that's a gold glove second baseman. It's it's even if he wants fifteen, sixteen million dollars well, next year. Well, he's yeah, under fi- contract for next year. Financially, like million. Oh, I thought he was gold free long. agent next year, so mm-hmm. you got two more years. Financially, yeah, the Cardinals could try to ha- or have to make a decision at at some point, but as of right now, I I, I don't I don't replace Wong with with a Brad Miller, um, no matter how good his bat is right now. Because to your point, it's still it's still a sample size of the new Millsy compared to the rest of his his career. But hey, if if he continues this pace, guys, I'm sorry. I think the Cardinals are forced to give him a nice deal at the end of this. And if the DH is back, I think it's a no brainer. Six five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line from the three one four guys. Are we sure Millsy is in a Gold Glove second baseman? Because BK just said he doesn't want to see him in the field. <laughs> You know what? Now to be determined. Right? I mean, isn't that the whole reason you brought back Matt Wieters? Because he was a good hitter for you last year? Now, I get it. It's a different position. He's a backup catcher. But if Matt, if Brad Miller hits this way, isn't he a backup for you when it comes to your infield and a DH if, if it's there? If he's willing to accept the same deal that he took this year, one year, $2 million, where it doesn't hurt you in any way, shape, or form, okay, that's a different conversation. Yeah. I, I could do that. But if you're having to give him multiple years and you get above that like $5 million range, that's when I think you got you to gotta step on the brakes a little bit. And you just you let somebody else take that on for you, and you build more through what you have currently in the system. How old is he? He's 30 years old. He'll be yeah. 31 next year. So, look, I think that reasonably, if he signed a one-year, like, $4 million for next year or a two-year at 2. five sure. or 3 you know what I'm saying? Like, you keep it smart. I think I think Mills, he's a smart guy. I think he'll figure this out. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Speaking of smart guys, the big rig. 
Pat Maroon, one of the best in the business. He's a Stanley Cup champion. He's looking to get himself another one, and he's going to join us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Happy to be joined by the Stanley Cup champion, former Blues forward, now current Lightning forward. He is one, Pat Maroon. Big Rig, I got a question for you here, buddy. First of all, thank you so much for joining us today. I know that uh, you guys are busy, but look, congratulations on, on the win the other night. I'm telling you, my eyes are old, but I think that puck hit you. Did that puck hit you in front of the net, Big Rig? Well, uh, it's it's Victor Hedman, so he's gonna get he's gonna get it. I don't <laughs> think they're gonna reverse that one. <laughs> but it did get you, right? You uh, should get my, credit for he's that. He's not gonna, yeah, he's <laughs> not gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It might have touched me, but you know what? At the end of the day, we won the hockey game, and uh, I'm just glad Hedy was there and. Uh, that shot that puck and it was in the net to end the game and move on to the next round. So uh, either way, we won the game. So it really doesn't matter. Um, I will just take credit just to be out nice again for an OT goal. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Patty, you're right. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But what I think does matter, honestly, buddy, is the experience you have now in the Stanley Cup playoffs and going all the way and winning it last year with a team now that you know, has been right there. They've been close. They were on the edge of winning it. And now you're that guy who, in the locker room, going into the double overtime, certainly a huge goal last year in Game 7 against Dallas Stars. But now you have all that information and, and that leadership ability to help these guys over the hump. Do you think that that's, you know, that's something that will help you guys continue to advance? Yeah, I think so. I think at the end of the day, Riz, you probably know this too. You played, I mean, if my voice can carry in the room and it can send a message to the players, um, you know, that's a huge bonus for me and it, it can go a long way. And, uh, you know, if guys ask questions, you know, I'm there for them for my run last year, but I just try to be a huge presence in the locker room, try to be fun, uh, making sure the guys are feeling light, you know, making sure they're laughing and having a good time. And, you know, you got to make the best of the situation. And, um, you know, you know, when I see something I called out and you got to hold people accountable. So, and when you're in double or team situations, you just got to make sure guys are feeling light and upbeat and excited about it because, you know, you dream as a kid every day, you know, playing in the backyard or scoring that goal. So, uh, you know, you just got to find ways to keep the guys, you know, focused and fresh and, and uh, ready to play. So if my voice can carry and if I can help anyway, uh, it's a bonus for me. Stanley Cup champion, former Blues forward Pat Maroon joining us here on 101 ESPN. Pat, I, the guys up in Edmonton from the Blues talked about how difficult it was to be in this kind of an environment while you're trying to win that cup again. What's it been like for you being in the bubble up there in Toronto? What What is that environment like right now? How difficult is that for you guys? I mean, it's obviously very difficult. I think, uh, especially on days off when you're sitting around in your hotel, it's dark and it's you have nothing much to do, and you're thinking about family, you're thinking about, you know, wife, kids, and 
you know, you want to be with them. And, you know, obviously with the new technology these days with FaceTime and Zoom and Skype and, I mean, you have those opportunities, but it's still not the same when you're not with those kids and you're not waking up and you're not, you know, eating breakfast or, you know, doing stuff with your kids or your family. It's certainly not the same. But, you know, from what I heard in Edmonton, I don't think Edmonton's like it is in Toronto. In Toronto, uh, we do have tennis courts. We do have pickleball courts. We have gyms that are open. We, you know, there's pool tables. There's Papa Shop, video games. Um, You know, we've been fortunate enough. We get to go to the BMO soccer field. Uh, when that's open to play, you know, bags and cam jam and spike ball and, you know, wiffle ball. So we have activities to do here. So it's obviously keeping our mind fresh and, um, you know, keeping us away from, uh, you know, obviously it's all business here, but sometimes you need to get away from the rink sometimes. So it's been helping out a lot. I think uh, with those activities, I think without those, I don't think, I think it'd be a lot harder to be in Edmonton. Big Rig, it's well known that a lot of guys had a tough time coming back out of the pause. It's a unique situation. You got a whole bunch of time off. You got to come back. It's like putting four pounds of sand in a three pound bag. And, you know, I'm just wondering for you personally, um, you know, how hard was it to get back to that game shape? Because you play a big physical game, a grinding game along the boards. And that's a whole other kind of game shape than some other guys have to get to. But for you, how was it? And do you feel like you're finally at that spot now? Yeah, obviously it was very hard, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, in the beginning of this whole COVID, when it hit, uh, I went home. Good thing I had a Peloton bike to kind of just stick with it and, you know, grind through it. But as you guys know, I don't think riding a bike is any, you know, you can be in bike shape and it's also a lot different than being in hockey shape and skating shape. So uh, when the rink started hitting, I mean, it was a grind. I think the first few games, you're kind of in quicksand, but as the first playoff game, second one, you you start to feel better and then into the second round. So I'm starting to feel a lot better. Uh, obviously, everyone was in tip-top shape coming back, but, you know, with camp and the three games before really helped. Al Rig, uh, look, it's it's not a secret. You like to chirp, guys. You like to get under the skin of the opposition. You're always right in the middle of all the stuff that's going on. And the Boston Bruins, I've uh, got to absolutely hate your guts by now. But uh, we love you, that's for sure. But for you, what is it about the playoffs that helps you elevate your game and, and get that intensity about you that, quite honestly, other teams hate playing against you? For me, it's, you know, I feel like the first 82 games is a a dress rehearsal. You know what I mean? No one's really going to talk about the regular season. And I've always been a big-time player when it comes to playoffs. I love the grind of it. I love the physicality of it. Uh, People are more engaged. People are more in your face. And, you know, during the regular season, it's just like, you know, some guys are taking a night off, and that's okay. And that's, you know, that's a grind itself, playing 82 games every other day. But I think when it comes to playoff time, you know, you're more engaged, you're more physical, and, you know, there's not a lot of space. It's more like below the top of the circles, playing my style of play, and I just love that. And I love being engaged, and I love when people are chirping me and I'm chirping back, and you're more alert into the game. And and at the end of the day, you want to shove it up someone's butt, but when they're chirping you, so it's, it's just fun when you can do those kind of things. So, you know, I love playoff hockey. It's the best time of the year, and... um you know, it's it's always fun to play, especially when you're going deep, deep runs. So uh, I'm on another deep run. So hopefully we can, you know, pull this pull this off. 
Pat, we got a text from one of our listeners saying, ask Big Rig how it felt to beat uh, Boston two years in a row. I, I wanted to pass that along to you. I mean, that team in particular, how great did it feel for you, not only to beat them last year in the Stanley Cup? We all know how great that was, but this year as well, to be able to send that team in particular home, what was that like for you? It was a good taste. Obviously, you know, <laughs> they're uh, they're a well-known team in the league and you know, everyone hates the Boston Bruins and they're obviously a really really good hockey team. There's a reason why they go in deep runs every year. There's a reason why they got the Stanley Cup in the last few years. So, um, you know, beating them last year and beating them, it's always nice and uh, you know, they're they're a hard team and uh, but like I said, it's it's always nice to knock off the Boston Bruins. All right, Big Rig, you got another guy in Tampa with you. You got two guys that we know. John Cooper certainly coached the uh, the St. Louis uh, Bandits here in town. And we got Kevin Shattenkirk, old Shatty, back on defense there. How uh, how has it been to, to have a guy like Shatty in the lineup night in, night out? He's got that veteran leadership. And how much has he brought to the team? Because, as you know, he kind of left in a bad marriage with the New York Rangers. And looks like he's found his game and looks like he's bringing a lot to the table. Yeah, he's bringing a lot to the table. He's like you said, he's a he's a veteran um, defenseman back on the blue line. Um, the good thing with Shaddy, he's a he's a leader in the locker. He has a voice. Uh, he's been on deep runs also, and but he he knows how to lead and um, you know talk, says the right things at the right time, and making sure you know he's holding guys accountable. And um, he's these playoffs, he's been unbelievable. He's playing heavy, he's big hits. He's you know, he's making good defensive plays and uh, he's scoring timely goals for us. And that's what big time players need need to do when it comes to playoff hockey. I think he's doing that. And his defensive game has, you know, taken the next level, too. So it's fun. It's great to have Shaddy, his leadership and his presence in the locker room. Pat, last question that I've got for you. I wanted to ask you about a, a leader from your team a year ago. We've been talking so much about Alex Petrangelo here, and I don't, I'm not going to ask you about the contract situation, but I wanted to ask you, as somebody who's been in that locker room and saw what Alex Petrangelo brought to the Blues, what kind of a guy do they have in, in Alex Petrangelo in that locker room? How, how meaningful is it to have that guy in there? Uh, it's very meaningful. He's a really good guy. He's a good leader, good teammate. Uh, we all know what he can do on the ice. I think he took the next step this year and last year during the playoffs. Uh, he was a he was a man child last year in the playoffs. He was unbelievable and um, what he did this uh, he was a he was a man child last year in the playoffs. He was unbelievable and um, what he did this year, his offensive ability and the way he can shut down top top lines every single night. Uh, so you need a guy like that in your room, and you need a guy like that on the ice. So uh, hopefully, I hopefully he stays in St. Louis and he's a blue for the rest of his life because I know he loves it in St. Louis. His wife's from St. Louis, so uh, and I know the Blues, the St. Louis Blues fans love him here, and um, he's a player that they need. So hopefully they can lock him up here soon. Yeah, I agree, Rig and uh, Lick, buddy. I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I know that things are, are crazy up there in the playoff bubble, but uh, get some rest while you need it and uh, make sure you're ready to go for the next round. Also, a big happy birthday to your son, Anthony, that uh, I'm sure he's listening to the show. I'm sure he's an avid, <laughs> avid listener, but a big happy birthday to Anthony. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best, and hopefully you come back with another ring for us. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Stay safe.
You too. That is Pat Maroon, the big rig, Stanley Cup champion, former St. Louis Blues forward, a guy that I would love seeing back in a St. Louis Blues uniform next year if they're able to make it happen, joining us here on 101 ESPN. I know, Jamie, hockey guys never like talking about contract situations for other players, so I didn't want to ask him, hey, how do the Blues yeah, no, get this no, done? No. But I, I, I love hearing the perspective of the guys that have been in that room that can tell us a little bit about, because we don't know on the outside looking in as much. I know you, you and Ferrario certainly have a little bit more of a taste of what it's like in that locker room, but uh, he was in there last year as the Blues were making that run to the Cup. He's seen what Alex Petrangelo brings from a leadership perspective, the intangibles of what he brings to that room. And when you hear somebody like Pat Maroon saying what he just said, hey, that, that guy you need a guy like that in your locker room. I, I think it's just another reason to bring back an Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting to take away from that, too, is let's not forget Pat Maroon's St. Louis kid, right? So if you noticed in that quote, he's like... Here I, in St. I hope, Louis. Yeah, here in St. Louis. I hope they can figure it out and keep him here in St. Louis. So he's still a Blues fan, obviously playing for the Lightning, but he will forever be a St. Louis person and, yeah, he'd like to see a great marriage between a great captain and a solid organization and for years to come. He's Jamie Rivers. That's Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. Let's dive into the junk drawer coming up next, including a plea from a man in Lincoln that we've got to hear. We'll tell you about it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time to open up the junk drawer with Ribs and BK. Brought to you by Randy's Jewelry. We make quality affordable. Let's go blues. With former Blue Superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. So I've got to listen to a story about a man in Lincoln was a problem with boneless wings. <laughs> yes, you heard that correct. A man in Lincoln, not in on the idea of yeah. boneless wings. It's always bone-in. Now, I've got this audio for you guys. I want to listen to it in full because Jamie has not heard this yet. Jamie, are you a man that enjoys yourself some boneless wings? Yes, in fact, I want to further this conversation when we're done with our guy here. Let's take a listen. Boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches. I don't ask for boneless auto repair. It's just what's expected. And then number three, we need to raise our children better. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. I propose that we rename boneless wings in the city of Lincoln. We can call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. We can call them wet tenders. We can call them saucy nugs or trash. You are one pathetic loser. Did you hear that at the end? Or trash. You just <laughs> said saucy nugs. <laughs> okay, you know what, though? I, I can't say I've ever put any thought into this. Our guy's got a point. Yeah, he does not, have a point. Because they're not really boneless they're chicken, chicken nuggets with sauce on them. Yeah. It's, uh, where they got the boneless from, I don't know. Because yeah, it's not like they're sitting back in the kitchen removing the bone from the wing yeah. and then making it for you. So he's got a really good point. It's a chicken breast that they cut up into small pieces, yeah. basically, and ground it up and then fried it. And then they put it into a sauce of yeah. some kind. Okay, I'm with him on this. Now, I like quote-unquote boneless wings. I can enjoy a boneless wing or two or 12, but it's not a wing. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this then, okay? 
Uh, obviously, now we've established that it's not a wing and that it's not a boneless wing. It's a chicken tender, buffalo saucy nugget, whatever we want to call it. So do you prefer like buffalo style boneless chicken tenders or do you like the actual wings where you're eating the meat off the bone? Which one do you go? If you have a choice, which one are you going with? So it, it depends. And I know that's an awful answer. And I will explain this coming up yeah, here it does. in a second. It's pretty bad, actually. Good wings, like a place that has great wings. I prefer the traditional style wings. And which ones do you like, the drummies or the other ones? Uh, the actual wing. I, like, if a place has great wings, give me the wing. Okay. If it's an average wing that you're getting at your typical bar, and they're not going to come out well, there's not much meat on the bone, uh, just screw it. I will just go with the chicken nuggets that are tossed in the sauce. It's easier. I know you're not going to mess those up. Yeah. So, in a typical situation... I, I probably wouldn't order either, frankly, but I would prefer the boneless. If I'm going to a place known for its wings, though, I'm not going up to the front desk and ordering the, the boneless over the actual wings. Okay, if I'm committing to this, right, like if I'm out at a bar or a restaurant or somewhere where I'm feeling like, oh, I want some chicken and I want it, you know, with a little spice to it, some buffalo sauce. If I'm with you guys, I'm going wings, right? Because I don't care if I have buffalo sauce in my eyebrows, all over my shirt. I don't really care because we're going we're gonna to drain some beers. We're going to have some wings. It doesn't matter. Now, if I'm in a more of a setting where I shouldn't look like a caveman, but I'm still craving that that taste of like the hot wings, then I'll go with the boneless because I can then use the fork and knife and kind of keep it to, you know, the keep the shrapnel to a minimum. So that that's kind of the way I go at it. From this day moving forward, I will only call boneless wings chicken nugs. <laughs> From this day, oh, saucy yeah, saucy nugs. nugs. From this day forward, they will only be referred to as saucy nugs. And I like Jamie the the full wing. Like somebody on the text line six five seven eight zero is their comfort service text line uh, from the six three six. They're called flats, you rookies. I'm not even talking about just the flats. That's absolutely correct. Oh, you're talking about like the whole the thing. full wings wow. where like folds on the side. It's a serious commitment. Those those are the wing. That's when you go to a place and they'll they'll bring out some of those. That's when you know this this is a real chicken wing spot. Yeah, That's- I agree. Like I I love the chicken wings. So I'll tell you what, we'll keep researching on that one there. I'll tell you else, guys, we're talking about saucy, right? Somebody else that's uh, kind of saucy, especially over the pandemic, uh, is somebody named Carol Baskin. Oh, baby. What happened? Okay, Carol in Baskin. Trouble? No, she's not in trouble. They caught her. Our eyeballs might be in trouble because uh, she's going to be joining Dancing with oh the Stars. God. I thought you were about to say she was joining OnlyFans.com. N- no, wow. Oof. That might be next. I don't know. But yes, Carol Baskin is going to be one of the, quite a few celebrities to join the new Dancing with the Stars cast. Along with that, Nelly, our own, our boy Nelly is going to be on there too. But uh, I thought well, this Carol Baskin train had come to a halt, BK. Dude, is she somebody you would be li- listing as Dancing with the Stars? I feel like there's nobody that earned more stardom during the pandemic than Carol Baskin. Frankly. You said it wrong, BK. Well, what about the Carol Tiger Baskin? King? Carol Baskin! Carol Baskin! <laughs> come on. What about the Tiger King himself, though? Shouldn't he be granted uh, a leave from prison to come out and do this? He's doing the Dancing with the Inmate Stars. Sorry. <laughs> he, he's unavailable right now. He did, though. Did you see yesterday he came out with a new line of underwear? No, he didn't. <laughs> he did. No, Female he didn't. underwear, and it has his Female face. Underwear. Yes, oh, exclusively. Wow. Um, it has his face on the nether region, if you will. Huh. Yeah. It's a real tiger. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> 65780 is the Air Comfort Service sex line from the 618. They are called flappers. Uh, the wings that I prefer. I would oh, call. Those, are called the 20, those are the 20 girls that wore the flapper dresses. 
Okay. I don't know. I have no idea what you just They're said. Saucy either. nugs. From they now are on. saucy nugs. Six five seven eight zero zero. Come for service tax line. So Jamie, yesterday after the Nuggets game, I don't I don't know if you Not guys the saw saucy this. Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. Correct. Correct. The Denver Nuggets, very different than <laughs> the boneless wings. Yes. The Denver Nuggets were able to take. The series against the Utah Jazz and another impressive performance down the stretch by Jamal Murray, who was incredible in games five, six, uh, games five and six. He, after the game, went on Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, and Scott Van Pelt gave him an update on when he's going to play next <laughs> because they had just won the series in Game Seven. Here's Jamal Murray's reaction to Scott Van Pelt. Look, you guys both look gas, both sides, and the Clippers we know is going to be a rugged test between now and Thursday. What do you do? We play Thursday? <laughs> you yeah. get two days off? No. No, it's Thursday. Man. Um, well, that's a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I like his honesty. I love the reaction wait. of just, wait, we play Thursday? We play Thursday? <laughs> He's re-asking Scott Van Pelt, what, did you just say Thursday? Can we hear that one more time? Because that was incredible. We play Thursday? Yeah. You don't get two days off? No. No. He shifts to and it's like, Man, uh, oh, there was a question there. Sorry. That's amazing. I love it. That's that's raw honesty right there. And uh, yeah, I've been down that road. I've been down that road in playoffs and, and on road trips where I'm like, oh, what day is it even? And so I, I understand. This guy's in a bubble too. I mean, yeah. everything's got to be we- really weird. It's like Thursday. Yeah. You don't get two days off. No. <laughs> I lost Scott two days off. No. No, nah, man. You're, you're getting right back out there. You've got a big series coming up. And, oh, it's just the Clippers on the other side oh with all of their talent. I'm sure it's going to go great for you. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kylie. Remember when the Reds were the sexy pick in the NL Central? So much for that. We'll dive into it coming up on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN kind of playing with house money you know and just get in there and compete and you, you kind of don't really think about anything which for hitting i think is is actually a positive when you're not thinking so yeah it's just strapping it on and, and going and competing don't look now the cardinals are starting to make some moves up the standings right now boys three games back of the chicago cubs in the nl central they have now put three and a half games between themselves and the cincinnati reds the reds by the way were the sexy pick coming into this season they were the team that made all the moves that brought in all this talent how's that working out for them jamie i feel like the reds are that team for like the last four or five years am i wrong maybe that's long but i feel like every year we go into the season going wow the reds woof they made some moves. That's going to be a dangerous team. They bring in Castellanos. They bring in Mike Moustakis, who just has not been particularly good for them so far this season. They bring in Trevor Bauer, who has been really good for them. They made all the offseason moves, and they were the team that people were picking as the, hey, if the Cubs don't win this division and the Brewers aren't able to maintain what they did a year ago, watch out for the Reds. I don't think the Reds are much of a threat. At this point, they're six games under 500. Now, maybe they get hot and they find a way into the postseason because seemingly everybody's going to get into the postseason this year. But that's not a team that I'm all that concerned about. I want to focus for a minute, though, on the Cardinals. Are we underestimating what this team can be? Because I think we talk a lot about their flaws and don't talk about what they do well. And right now, Jamie, I looked this up earlier today. I mentioned this to Danny Mack. The Cardinals are 11th in a statistic called weighted runs created plus. Now, you don't have to worry about what this is, but basically it's offensive production 
weighted by where they do that production. So the ballpark factors. Is it a pitching park? Is it a hitter's park? So the Reds, for instance, would be hit by this in a way that is different than if you were going to a pitcher's park like Bush Stadium. Cardinals are 11th in that. Basically, how good are you offensively? 11th in Major League Baseball. They have the second best starting pitching ERA in all of baseball. Their bullpen is 11th in all of baseball in ERA so far this year. And as much as we got on them about their defense a little bit ago earlier this week, they're third right now in Major League Baseball in defensive runs saved. How good is your defense? Basically, every aspect of this team right now is among the top 11 in all of baseball. Did we have we underestimated that this team could actually be a little bit of a contender this year, Jamie? Uh, maybe. You know, I think another one, too, that's interesting that I always enjoy, it shows both the Cardinals' uh, defensive ability, their pitching ability, and maybe that their offense is a little bit better. They're plus 20 on the run differential. Yep. They're first in the NL Central for run differential, fourth in the National League overall. That's not bad, you know? Um, and I think if if you can ride that wave then, yeah, I think the Cardinals are in a discussion for a team that, you know, could possibly make some noise. Here's what I see about the Cardinals is, yes, Goldie's having a Goldie year. And there are other guys that are stepping up. Brad Miller has been an incredible surprise. Tommy Edmond, it's great to see him continue to do what he did last year. But overall, this is what I see out of the Cardinals. I see a good baseball team. And maybe not the great individuals that we see on other teams that – you know, that's the first thing you talk about is, whoa, look at this guy, this guy, the this Dodgers. guy. I look at the Cardinals and I go, you know what? They got a manager who's just kind of quiet, does his thing, goes about his business, who's had great communication with his players. He's had great success with this team since he's taken it over. They're good defensively. Their pitchers are solid. And overall, they're just a solid team. They're not going to wow you with big, sexy names in the field or at the plate, but they're a good team. And does that count for something in baseball? That's what I'm trying to figure out because with with hockey and, and football and heck, even soccer and things like that, the team concept is is very present in baseball. It's individual versus individual in a team setting. But again, I go back to the Cardinals are a good baseball team. So I guess it's to be determined how much that factors into the overall success of a team or how we view that team. Yeah, I just I, I look at the Cubs, for instance, and I don't think that they're some super team. Now, their offense is quite good, and their pitching's been okay for the most part this year, but John Lester has a 5-1 ERA on the year. Kyle Hendricks, despite what he did shredding the Cardinals, has a 4-0 ERA on the year. Alec Mills, 5-2-3. Tyler Chatwood, 5-3. Is that a rotation that you're going to be scared of once you get into the postseason? I'm not going to be. We know what the Dodgers are. They're incredible. They are the team to beat in the National League so far this year. I saw earlier today ESPN put out their projections, and every single expert, quote-unquote, that was asked who is going to come out of the National League picked the Dodgers. There's good reason for that. They are clearly the best team in the NL. But then you look over at the at the Braves, who are leading the NL Central right now. It's not a dominant squad by any stretch. Their rotation also not exactly anything to write home about. Meanwhile, the Cardinals is. The Cardinals have Jack Flaherty, who is starting to hit his stride. Adam Wainwright, who, as we mentioned just the other day, looks like an ace right now for this staff. KK, we mentioned this stat with Danny Mack as well, is off to one of the best starts to a season, to a career in the history of left-handed starters. Second ever. Dakota Hudson looks awesome right now, and he has a slider that is just crushing people. 
This is a four-man rotation, a four-man staff right now that looks really good. You add in a bullpen that's starting to get some healthy arms again, this staff is going to be formidable by the time they get to the playoffs, if they can keep this up. And that's the thing that I'm going to be really interested in watching moving forward is, can Brad Miller be this guy for the rest of the season? Can Paul Goldschmidt keep this up? Because if he can, this is who they thought that they were going to get in that trade. And then Dexter Fowler. Dexter Fowler's been really good this year. But the key to me moving forward is going to be finding one other outfielder that can contribute. Because I think their best lineup has Tommy Edmond at third, and it's one other guy. Whether it's Tyler O'Neill or Harrison Bader or Dylan Carlson, whoever it is, they need one other outfielder to step up to be a stalwart in that lineup along with Dexter Fowler. If they can get that... I see no reason to believe that going into the postseason, this can't be, at worst, the third best team, the third best contender in the National League to represent that league in the World Series. Well, look, the way it's set up, too, I believe the first series is going to be, what, two out of three, I think is what they've said for Mm -hmm. for baseball, and then it'll progress from there. Um, You know, let me bounce this back off you is, you know, Lane Thomas got in last night. I personally thought he looked pretty darn good. You know, he didn't he didn't like move the earth with any great plays, but he did have a solid defensive play, a solid defensive assist. He had a, a good at bat. Like this is a guy here. You know, maybe is. Let me ask you this question: Is he possibly the guy that John Mozeliak has been talking about patiently? He might be. Um, I I continue like, to go could back. Could he be like? There's no reason why he can't be at this point because Tyler O'Neill's been given a little bit of an opportunity and he's failed with it. We, we saw. I, I think he deserves more of uh, more of an opportunity, but the Cardinals aren't playing him right now. Harrison Bader, the last time we saw him getting consistent at bats, was looking really good. I'd like to see a little bit more of him out there. And if Lane Thomas gets a little bit of an opportunity, I got no issues with that either. Dylan Carlson needs to be out there, and if he eventually doesn't make good on this, well. There's going to come a time when you've got to get your best players out there. But for for right now, I want to see as much of him as possible. And then once you get into the postseason, you you need one. That's all you need. You need one. Lane Thomas, Harrison Bader, um, Tyler O'Neill, Dylan Carlson. You need one of those four to really step up. And then suddenly you're looking at this lineup and it's what contenders have. One through nine, you don't have any true easy outs suddenly, and you're starting to feel pretty good about that along with what they have defensively and what this pitching staff can bring you. I I think we're starting to see a little bit of a changing of the guard here and a changing of the tune with the way we're talking about the Cardinals. This might not be a World Series contender just because of the Dodgers, but in the National League, I think they are one of the two, three, four at worst best teams that you've got in terms of a contender. With Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. What does the Jake Allen move mean for Alex Petrangelo's future here in St. Louis? We're going to talk that over with Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues, when he joins us coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Alongside former Blue superstar defenseman Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario, I'm Brandon Kiley. Excited to go out to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. Joined by the voice of the Blues, he is Chris Kerber on 101 ESPN. Curbs, we always appreciate the time, man. Let's start with this. The big news of the day is that the Blues have officially traded Jake Allen up to Montreal. $4.35 million in cap space opened up. What was your initial reaction to the news of the day of Jake Allen getting traded? Uh, frankly, not shocked at all. No surprise, Brandon, uh, that, that it happened. If, if there was any type of surprise, it might have been that it happened so fast, you know, that, that, that it happened right now. But 
I think we've talked about on the show even a couple of times when you've got Billy Huso and you when you committed a year during last season to extend Billy Huso and sign him to a one-way contract, you were making the commitment at that point in time to him to be the backup next year, and one of your other goaltenders was going. So uh, obviously, with the way it worked out with Jordan being the number one guy, they they traded Jake Allen, and you know I'm not I got to be honest with you guys I'm not convinced just yet um, that. This is his final stop. You know, I, I like I'm that's that's a heck of a lot of money to have fourteen million dollars tied up in your two goaltenders. And I'm I'm not sure that with a flat cap, that's how that's gonna work. So um it, it'll be interesting to see what Montreal does here or if Jake ends up getting packaged uh, to something else. But I will say, kind of I guess on a cool personal front for a kid that played for the junior Canadians like Jake did growing up in that Fredericton area. Um, I, I got to think a pretty cool moment for him to some degree, as bittersweet as the trade may be. Yeah, Curb, so in the discussion there, we're talking about Vili Husso. And, uh, you know, people may not know a lot about Vili Husso, and he was, up until Jordan Bennington came on the scene again, he was looking to be the heir apparent to Jake Allen and be the first guy called up. Now, Jordan Bennington had something to say about that, and there was an injury involved. But Vili Husso has been a really, really tremendous American Hockey League goalie. And, you know, just talking to our fans here, maybe what can the Blues and the fan base expect from Vili Husso? Well, you got a tall guy that's six foot two. He's a 25 year old goaltender. And, you know, yeah, look, I mean, four years in the American Hockey League, it's time for him to make the jump. I, I don't think that his save percentage or his, you know, his goals against averages have been, have been all that good there, but he's athletic. They like the way he moved. And because of the way things have worked out here, you know, they, they haven't really been able to give him a chance. And, and at some point in time, you do have to have to look at him. You know, the reality of it is, is this was a guy that was obviously pretty high up on, on the depth chart for the Blues. They, I mean, again, this was a guy, as you mentioned, Jamie, that they had put they put on the depth chart ahead of Jordan Bennington. And the reality of it is, and sometimes, too, this is why we just have to say better to be lucky than good, right, is the reality of it is, is it was likely that Billy Husso would have been the guy called up from San Antonio, you know, a year ago, January, and, and not Jordan Bennington had Billy Husso not been hurt. But Billy was hurt. Next guy in line, Jordan Bennington, boom, took advantage of it. The rest is history. And now, uh, you know, I guess, you know, now we've got the, 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 the teacher and the apprentice now has flipped here. We're talking with Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Chris Kerber. All right, Kerbs, now that we know that this is the first piece of the puzzle for this offseason, and we knew that there was going to be some movement, it was a question of what that movement was going to be. Obviously, the first question that we got from everybody that is a listener today is, what does this mean for Alex Petrangelo? We heard Doug Armstrong earlier today talking about some of that. Uh, Do you think this means much on the Alex Petrangelo front? And if so, what, what can we read into this being so early in the off season? So I guess, uh, you know, to me, Brandon, I guess that depends on, on which angle you want to look at it. Um, we knew that this move was the guys, this move had to happen no matter what this move, this move was bound to happen. Whether you'd resign Petrangelo before the season ended, whether you resign him now, whether you don't resign him, uh, you know, because even, even if you don't re-sign Petrangelo, a move like this needed to happen just to have the cap space to be able to sign Vince Dunn. You know, 
or frankly, even somebody else for that matter. You only had $2 million in, in cap space there. So, you know, from that standpoint, you could say, it, it yes, it's going to help you to some degree, but it's not the end-all and be-all. This was a move that was on the radar to happen anyway. And again, like we just talked about, was on the radar the moment you signed Billy Huso to that one-way contract. Now, the flip side of that, the other way you look at it is, yes, you are going to need some cap space, and this is the first step in clearing what would be needed cap space if you're going to have any chance to sign them. So the good news is you were able to move, Jake. You were able to start freeing up cap space. Now, you know that if you're going to sign and be able to sign Alex Petrangelo, you're going to have to free up even some more cap space. Where that comes from, how that comes from, that remains to be seen. But that's kind of where you're sitting with at, at that point in time. So, yeah, look, from a Alex Petrangelo standpoint, that move needed to happen to give you a chance. Now you've done it. Now if you're going to re-sign him, you are still going to have to free up some more, which just, I think, keeps the intrigue going along these lines. Garbs, just to dip into uh, another avenue here a little bit is, have we got any updates on our boy Vladdy Tarasenko and maybe where he's at right now? I don't know. I'm not sure if anybody really knows if he's had that procedure or not. And, of course, Alexander Steen uh, had a little bit of a problem, too, in the playoffs. We get a lot of texts wondering how those guys are doing. Yeah, you know what? No update other than the one the team gave on Vladimir Tarasenko. He's obviously, they're going to have to go back in and have the surgery. He's not getting reevaluated for five months, as we know. And so uh, there's going to be no update really to talk about with him until February. Alexander Steen was one where, you know, he kind of felt that if you get back here and you get some of the treatments that, that he needs to get done, he's going to be fine. You know, and so, um, you know, I think he was dealing with some upper body issues at that point in time. And it was obviously stuff that had happened prior to getting up into the bubble. So uh, not nothing I guess nothing juicy, nothing for people to be able to lock their teeth into and, and, and feel like they're going to be that much more knowledgeable now than they were before because, unfortunately, I'm not on that front. <laughs> yeah. No, I understand. Uh, you but- know, doesn't it get to the point, Jamie, like, like, like and this is, this is the interesting part about this. Like, I'm, I really hope well, – well, look, when we, go into, when we get to go into the – and part of the challenge that we really have two years, like – is normally we can kind of go find out. Like, like we would have known that something was bothering Alexander Steen and kind of more of what it was, even if we couldn't talk about it, had we been able to go into the locker room. And, and the Dallas Stars, there, there was a great article written by the, the guy that, that covers the, the Stars on The Athletic. And, and you know, Rick Bonus is coming out saying, when, when he's getting asked about, are you going with Hudobin or are you going with Bishop? Rick Bonus is coming, which is a fair one as well. We kind of have a little more information about what's going on than you guys do. But it's also a bit of a slap in the face comment because if we had been able to go into locker rooms and been able to do the job that we normally would do, we might find out a little bit more. Or if you're able to sit around and watch practice, which is where we get a lot of information on how a guy might be doing, we're able to get a little bit more. Um, you know, but it, it's a tough situation, and, and I can promise, I, I can totally understand where it could be frustrating for fans too because sometimes you used to, even, even if we're keeping it just upper body, lower body, we're still able to give a little bit more than we've been able to go because we could break down how a guy looked like skating and things like that. Man, this, this this bubble situation has really made it difficult for us to be able to give fans a little bit more on that front. Yeah, Curbs, I, I can imagine it's frustrating for everybody, and it is frustrating for the fans too because there is some information that is not provided or unable to be provided because you just don't have the access or the capabilities of getting near those players or the organization 
Uh, we actually we had the big rig on earlier today, and we were talking to him as well, and he had some comparisons from the Toronto bubble, maybe the Edmonton bubble. I was just curious, and Alex and I were going back and forth on this. I was just curious if maybe you knew at what point do, does the Eastern Conference team go out to Edmonton? Is it before their Eastern Conference final, or is it once the Eastern champion is declared? The original plan of that was to have all four remaining teams in the bubble in Edmonton, and those two conference finals would be played from Edmonton. Um, I frankly don't think anymore, for at least from uh, and, and, and one person I reached out to to explore this a little bit, um, I don't know if that is as necessary as it is right now. They feel confident that they could start the Eastern Conference Final in Toronto and then move both teams to Edmonton just fine, even if the series has already started. I don't think it's that, well, if we have to start it here, uh, we have to finish it here. Um, so I, I think that's where it's going. And, and it wouldn't shock me to see the Eastern Conference Finals start before one of the Western Conference Finals is done, especially if one of these two series were to make its way to what, what seems to be a rare seventh game this year in the playoffs. So um, I, I think the National Hockey League has honestly done exactly what they've done throughout this whole thing. It kept things somewhat fluid and not locked themselves into anything. I do believe that if you get to that point, uh, and, and, and it would be, if, I think if the other two series were done, Jamie, you'd probably see them both start in the same spot. But because they're done and waiting in the East and because the other part is going on, I, I think they'd be willing to start it in Toronto. They're, they're just... There's no need to commit to it. I think it would be more of a financial decision because it's longer that you have to keep that bubble in place in Toronto versus the one bubble. And I think that that, that might become the ultimate deciding factor is, is the financial side of it. Last question that I've got for you, Curves. I want to come back to the Blues for just a moment because earlier today we were talking with Pierre Maguire, and I thought Jamie asked a really good question about who needs to step up with the loss of um, Vladdy for the first portion of the season with his surgery. And Maguire brought up the, the name Jordan Cairo. In your opinion, Curbs, what does Kairou need to do to become a more consistent player to earn some of those minutes as a top six forward this upcoming season, especially while Vladdy's out for the time being? Well, it has to start with something, and, 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 and it's a great point, Brandon, because those young guys are the ones, and, and I don't necessarily think it's got to be just the one guy. I think it's got to be another level from, from Zach Sanford. I think it's got to be another level from Robert Thomas, to be honest with you. Right and 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 Sammy Blay, I got yeah. I think it's I think it's fair to really lump all four of them in together when you're talking about where the growth uh, is going to have to come from. But specifically to Jordan Cairo, the reality of it is is he's got to earn the trust of the coaches, and that's something I think Jamie could could reference so much more than I can because he's been in that situation specifically. But you've got to earn the trust of the coaches to be out there, and I'm, it, it has always been a flag to me in terms of where a player sits with a coach, when you've got a one goal game or you've got a game on the line and a coach and you see a player out for the final minute of a period, if you see a guy getting one of those last two shifts of a period or a game when it's tight, then you're starting to understand that the coach is starting to trust that player. And I think that's where it's got to start. Cairo is going to have to work on his defensive responsibilities and they're going to have to trust that when he is making the right moves, he's making the right moves away from the puck. They know he's got puck skill, and they want to see the right puck decisions made. But right now for him, 
The coaches can't trust him if he's not positionally strong and making the right plays away from the puck as much. And to me, it's going to have to be a really solid focus on that for him to uh, to get to another level where he's out there. And and you know what that leads to? Uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Jamie, but that that what that leads to is when the coach trusts you, that leads to the more ice time. When you're a skilled player, more ice time leads to you feeling more comfortable and you getting more of those opportunities. And because you're getting more of those opportunities, because you've got that skill, that puck's going to start going in a little bit more for you and you're going to start making uh, some, some more plays because of the more ice time. Because So it's all, it's all kind of linked together. But I, to me, that's where it's got to start. He is Chris Kerber, one of the best in the business. He is the voice of your St. Louis Blues. You can give him a follow on Twitter throughout the offseason as well, at Chris Kerber. Kerbs, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. We'll talk with you next week. Yeah, you got it, fellas. Hey, real, real quickly here, uh, listen, man, all the best to Jake. You know, this is a guy that's been a part of the Blues organization for 10 years since he, well, even since when he was drafted in 08, so maybe you could say 13 years, but He's been a model citizen. He's been an amazing part of this community, his willingness to do anything and everything. And uh, so uh, another great guy. And for a guy that was only two or three wins shy of Mike Lee Ute's all-time win total for the St. Louis Blues, Jake was a hell of a goalie for the Blues and uh, wish him and his family nothing but the absolute best. He certainly was, and a big part of their championship run as well. Curbs, we appreciate the time, man. We'll talk with you soon. Hi, right, Brandon. Have a great day, buddy. Thank you. You do the same. That is Chris Kerber joining us here on 101 ESPN. We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane next. We're back to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN. Crossing things over with the Fast Lane alongside Jamie Rivers and Alex Ferrario. I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Anthony Stalter in studio today. What's going on, Stoltz? My guys. What's up? What's up, man? Are you good? Are you guys just out of your mind stoked that you had a little blues nugget today? (sighs) We had some saucy nugs today, Stoltz. We did. Okay, so that's a great question. Okay, saucy nuggets, okay? And I know you're thinking to yourself, what? Where are we going here right now? <laughs> I'm actually not. I've done a show with you. That's a good point. Well played, by the way. Now, there's a uh, our guy, our boy, I don't know who he is, but a guy in Lincoln, Nebraska. Our boy, I don't know who he is. <laughs> He's our boy. We he brought him onto the show. council meeting. That's where yeah. all of this oh, took place, I saw by the this. way. And he declared that boneless chicken wings are in no shape or form a chicken wing, that it's basically a saucy nugget, a... Ch- Buffalo chicken tender. Or you could call it trash, according right. to him. Or trash. Yeah. So now I asked BK and Tinfoil over there what they prefer. Are you a um, a regular wing guy, like the bone-in, or do you like the boneless, whatever we want to call them? Yeah. And if you do like the wings with the bone-in, are you the drummy or are you the flats? Okay. Wow. Oh. Threw a lot at me there. I'm bone- I just threw up literally all over your feet in you the did. station here. I'm bone in first and foremost. Let me let Always. me break let yeah. me break this in. Let me not surprised. Let me bone in. It's a little aggressive. There. Let me go with bone in. Can I say it one more time? That's what she said. That's one. That's if I'm going boneless. Give me a chicken tender. You yeah. know, toss give, those bad give me boys a chicken some finger. Give me some saucy nugs with, with some with some cane sauce. Oh, um, you know, a little. There we go. Don't tell me I don't know. Well, you've had a rough day. No, I've you've had, had a great a day. day Ryder has had a rough day. <laughs> it is like watching a three-toed yes. sloth back it's your there. Boss, man. Throw the ball right the bus. A three-toed sloth. You see how fast they are, right? I've never seen a sloth. I've never seen one. Yeah, I have. Sloths though, typically are slow. Yeah, they are. Typically. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so if, if I'm going wing, I'm going bone in. I agree with the gentleman who brought up. 
who raised great points with his with his rant there. So I like a, a chicken finger if I'm going bone boneless. Wings, I'm going bone in, and I'm a flat guy. Okay. Do you great like the stuff. flappers? I so, like it all, first and foremost, but if I'm only choosing one, I'm going flat. The flat. Like, you can destroy that pretty quickly, right? Exactly. Yeah. And now I mean, sometimes you'll get that little like rubber piece. Get the vein. Yeah, I don't mind that though. Yeah, yeah that's the worst part. It, of it. it turns it into a sport at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting this off. I'm getting this off. Rims doesn't mind the vein. I don't mind that at all. Uh-huh. Uh, so okay, so follow up to that. I said for me personally, it, it depends on the setting. Right, like if I'm at somewhere where it's like a somewhat nice place, but they're serving some chicken wings, you know, I'm I'm a kind of guy that's like it's in my eyebrows, it's all over my kneecaps, it's right. on my shirt. Like that's the least surprising thing in the world, by the way. I know. How'd you get it on your kneecap? Like, Did you, you drop the one and then pick it you back drop up? Drop it, you volley it back up, and you grab it, hammer that thing down. But sauce everywhere. Like to see sauce that. everywhere. There's shrapnel pretty much everywhere. So, but you, Anthony Stalter, you're much different. You're way, way more polished. Classy. Mm. Very classy. Are you going with the bone in 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 like a more social setting, or are you going, are you going to opt over to the bone list because you can go fork and knife? No, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the the wings. I'm going to stick with the bone, bone in wings. I'm going to get extra napkins. I might eat a little bit slower, (laughs) but I'm still going to go with what I like. So you guys are the one peel Oh, the, no. the one by oh, I've mastered that. Intense. Really? I've mastered that. Took That's a lot impressive. of time. You know I what? Thought, I thought Jamie would have been the guy on our show to master it, honestly. Yeah. No, I go... Uh, <laughs> no, he's getting it on his kneecaps and his eyebrows. Yeah, I'm trying to see how I can describe this, because this is radio, eh, guys? We don't have uh, visual right now. It's so true, we don't. I'm gonna it's take not you a visual there. medium. So, <laughs> listeners, close your eyes and, and come on this journey with me right now. We're holding the flat, and I usually use index finger and thumb, both hands. <laughs> oh my and gosh. I'll take middle finger... And just push the middle meat out. That's and what she said. I'll just rip it apart, and then then I go full flat in, drag it through the tunnel, and we're done. You know what's funny? <laughs> I do the same. Yeah, I knew I, I do liked the exact you. same. Yes. Is Bunk. there another way to eat them? Okay. Did we just become best friends? Yeah, we did. Oh. I need to like clip that whole phrase of, of description <laughs> there because that works in so many different yeah. ways with Jamie Rivers. I know, you know exactly. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, though. It's, it's just a, pop, it's just a little bump. Yeah, yeah. Then, uh, but people left can hand, see the movement. Full, I yeah. go right hand. Yo, yeah, you, you go, go right. I go, I go left. Are you a lefty? No. Boop. Wow. You I go, go right you hand. Go off hand with the wing. You know what's crazy about my left side? It's it's uh it's stronger than my right, despite the fact that I'm I'm right handed. Are you sure you're not ambidextrous? You get ambidextrous. Ambidextrous. That was tough that's, that's very You get me on a flat bench with with you know weights. Left side, no problem. Right side, son of a... Is it, I just heard your elbow crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Stultz. Can you use your left more? Uh, no. If you lose it, use it well, in other areas of life. Maybe the right side's tired. <laughs> 65780 <laughs> six, is the air comfort service text line. From the 314. Guys, Jamie just told all of your listeners to close their eyes while they are currently driving. Yeah, he actually, yeah. he, he actually said, close your eyes and let me take you on a ride. That's uh, it's not a good thing when you're driving. Oh, God. Well, I thought we are all driving those uh, self-driving Teslas around these days. Nope, nope. That's not how it works. And apparently, did you see somebody got in a wreck in one of those the other day? I can't that doesn't why. surprise me. Unbelievable. Real quick, I know we got you go to I my daughter, whatever, she had a new truck or car, whatever, and it's got one of those auto drive things. 
keeps you inside the lines. Yeah, oh, it's incredible. Oh, that's weird. I don't trust that at all. How about all? the ones that auto park? I don't trust those either. I didn't know it had this, though. And I went to change lanes, and like the ghost of Christmas past yanked it back into my lane because oh, I didn't really? have my signal on. Oh. I was oh, like, oh so you got to put your signal so, on first to be able to so move. So it's not, just, it's not just a signal on the dashboard because that's what I got. No, the wheel moves. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, here's what I don't understand. How... We got to go, but how, <laughs> how in the world can it recognize where the lines are? Because, like, there are obviously movements within the road. Like, you got to you got to veer a little left. You got to veer a little it right. Rode the turn. I was like, there's a ghost in my car. So yeah. I just for fun took my hands off the steering wheel. Just for fun. Just for, just fun. for fun. And this <laughs> Why thing, not? It, it drove itself for a couple of seconds. And then it went. Beep, 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 beep. Put your hands back on the wheel. I'm like, oh, it's watching me. Wow. Who wants to carpool with ribs? Just for fun. Took I my hands it, off the wheel. I wonder it if it does that whenever uh, people close their eyes as they're driving as well. Well, it depends if someone's describing how they eat chicken wings. Good point. I the tunnel. Stoltz, what's coming up on the fast line today? Allen trade. Cardinals offense is good? Question mark. Are we sure? I don't know about that. I'm not going there. Last night looked good. That's coming up from 2 to 6 on 101 ESPN. For Jamie and Alex, I'm Brandon. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the Ribs and BK podcast on 101 ESPN.